0: Reveille, reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip.
1: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show.
0: I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Wake up, wake up, sleepy heads! I know if you watched Bellator on Saturday night, you didn't get a chance to go to bed until 10 a.m., but... It's Monday now. You can wake up and enjoy the day. You can enjoy the show. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, on this 25th of April, 2022, for Morning Combat. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C. My name is Luke Thomas, and that is the Viceroy of Connecticut. On that side of the screen, he is the original CTDB, this Connecticut dirtbag himself. My friend and yours, it's Brian Campbell. What's up, B.C.?
1: Hey, it's Monday morning, Luke, okay? It's just another manic Monday. I wish it were um, Sunday, Luke, because that's my fun day. You know what I mean?
0: How how my, was uh, it hunting in the deer stand with that hat this morning?
1: <laughs> my I don't have to run day. You know that's an '80s reference. Get it right. Um, no, it's going great, Luke. Happy to be here. Big fan of the you know 109 or so thousand people who like and subscribe what we do on YouTube. Because Luke, it doesn't matter how washed I feel, and boy do I, I get out of that bed. I put on the hunting cap. I turn on the microphone. And I look into this camera, and I fucking bring it, bro. Okay? You know what I mean? I mean, like, you know, win, lose, or draw, Luke. Right? You know what I mean? I'm like Arlene Buenco in that cyborg match. I may not win, bro. I may not. Okay? I may be, but but I'm I'm coming. I'm coming on, Luke. Okay?
0: Okay. Um, People keep calling that fight like it was a war. It was, yeah, like the Mexican-American war. Like, it was not... (laughs) It was one-sided. You're Um, saying
1: it was more Desert Shield to your to your warliking. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was a lot more Desert Shield than you know, um, let's say the the Marines island hopping campaign in World War II. In any event, we'll get to that. But we're of course we're going to talk about Fury versus White, and we haven't done any UFC analysis from the weekend. We'll actually lead the show with that today because we were wow. To what a controversial
1: it. decision Luke on Tyson Fury Day to lead with that well here's
0: yeah. the thing is that I mean by a million miles incontestably I mean this is not even debatable the Tyson Fury fight was not just bigger it was orders of magnitudes bigger but here was the problem number one you did a great post fight show that's not a problem but I was just saying we already gave it some coverage here um, with your great post fight show which you can check out youtube.com slash morning combat I did in fact do a Bellator post fight show we've not done any UFC analysis nothing and while the card wasn't great jessica andrage is a beast so we got to talk about that to start the show off so thumbs up on the video as bc indicated please hit subscribe if you have it if you're listening on youtube give us a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on bc there got some ag1 there that's just sort of the water just kind of rakes over the top of it and then he drinks it but it's what he likes anyway uh showtime.com is the label that pays if you haven't got showtime you can get a 30-day free trial coming up by the way castaño charlo or charlo castaño 2 Coming up pretty soon. That's going to be right. not on pay-per-view. That's going to be free, all, well, part of the Showtime when you pay for the service. Showtime.com, 30 days reminder. Just a reminder, com, just a reminder
1: because we just saw the Spence Ugas replay on Showtime, if you if you missed that, in that co-main event of that already fantastic Charlo Castaño two-card, May 14th, Carson, California, Jerron boots out of this against Castillo Clayton for a shot at becoming Errol Spence's number one contender. Give yeah. me some of that, Luke,
0: okay? Yeah, everyone wants Spence Crawford, but Old Boots is looking up that uh, scenario and thinking to himself, I might love to play spoiler here, a little Usyk to our Joshua Fury kind of scenario. In any event, that'll be on the 15th of May, so that's coming up. You're going to want to get or
1: that. The, or the 14th, Luke. You, you can take your pick. Maybe you're Dude, talking to the Australian listen, fans. Listen,
0: I haven't slept because I just finished covering Bellator. Bellator just ended, BC. It's <laughs> I'm finally well, getting a you, chance I- to turn the page.
1: Didn't you house a bunch of Colombians this weekend as well?
0: Yes, there are there are many at my house uh, this weekend. They're here right now. They're all getting so, dressed so, and ready. you know,
1: four days or four or five days before the, the huge reveal of the long-awaited Papa Gringo comedy special, you're already living that, Luke, okay?
0: Bro, well, I live that life 24-7, 365. In fact, it got to the point this weekend where my in-laws badgered me to f- to finish... Do you know you know how when Yoda was like, yo, don't go save your friends. You got to finish your Jedi training here yes. on the Dagobah system. And Luke was like whining like a bitch. He was like, you don't know shit, you 800-year-old green <laughs> booger-looking motherfucker. That's kind of how I talk to my in-laws when they, they plead with me to get better with my Spanish. But they made a good point. They're like, your daughter's not going to be as fluent as she needs to be if you're not as fluent as you need to be. So Ooh. they kind of badgered me. I might have to go start taking formal lessons to finally get over that they get over that hump that so would we'll be the
1: most to all honesty and i and i get why you would do it you know for, for your daughter for your family but that would be the most luke thomas thing you could fucking ever do you already <laughs> live with spanish-speaking people but you're like no i'm gonna go take lessons you know what i mean like okay okay, okay luke I Dude, see this, that I, this is
0: true i have a lifetime subscription in spanish to uh rosetta stone i have it for, i have it on my ipad i take lessons on that all the time but i
1: tried that for three three sessions luke how'd it go but as well as my college career went you know i dropped out of both luke all right look at me now though you know what i'm saying yeah
0: la niña corre um uh, all right well we got a ton of stuff to get to as i mentioned ufc tyson fury bell tour a whole lot more plus your questions plus have you seen this shit Thumbs up of the video, all that good stuff. Uh, morningcombat.store is the place to get some merch. We've got some cool summer merch that we're still working out. So be on the lookout for that. That's coming soon. But of course, BC's wearing some other great merchandise that we have put on the store. And then um, I think that's it, BC, to get things Did you, going uh, here.
1: You, ca- I heard you pop when RJ Dunklemaker sent me to hell on the Zoom this morning. <laughs>
0: that was so, like you know sh- <laughs> the the morning ritual is that everyone collects on the, the again we have two systems that we run one of which is through zoom and so everyone collects on the zoom call including the merch guy and bc was kind of grilling him like Yo, what do you know what's your new idea motherfucker what do you got <laughs> like he's nate diaz looking for a fight in a parking lot and uh he was like oh, i haven't heard anything from you he's like well you just signed on to the call at 10:53 understand we're supposed to sign on to the call at 10:30 but you know what i think you were covering bellator so you just finished right that's I just a, woke that's up. That's why yeah. you were absent? Yeah. yeah I cannot did. believe that they did that. Seriously, I'm beyond bitter about it. All right, but neither here nor there, BC. If you're ready to get going, I am ready to get going.
1: I'm ready, baby. Yeah, great 90s okay.
0: reference right there. Okay, listo. Ja. All right, let's start with the UFC since we haven't talked about them at all. We begin. Topic number one, Jessica Andrade scored the first ever standing head and arm triangle in UFC history no man no woman had ever done it to this point I've been threatened a million times but no one's ever done it she gets it over Amanda Lemos or Lemos. BC a lot of different ways to start this question what I'm going to say is was this the proof that you needed to believe she is absolutely capable of winning a title at 115 pounds again
1: I would say it was a reminder of the proof because this was the most Jessica Andraj performance that Jessica Andraj has had in a while, Luke. And what I mean by that is getting pieced up early from a very capable Amanda Lemos, who controlled the distance well, was landing big shots, was landing a variety, if you will, of big shots. And then as soon as Andraj found her opening, normally that opening is filled with a big right hand. This time it was closing distance and going into that choke, as you mentioned. I mean, Luke, that's who she is. She's a flawed, at times vulnerable, plotting destroyer who will take a bunch to give one or two. And in this case, adding more to her arsenal to prove that whether she's slamming you on her head or still firing back in round five of a title fight she's losing... She's not going out, Luke, without a fight, without everything that's inside of her. At age, what, 30, 31 at the worst? I forgot at the moment. Um, She's very much still a title contender in this division after moving back down. And uh, the blue hair, Luke, and the added tack game really just adding to her badass persona. I mean, I know you're going to want to talk about the technique of her submission skills, but how about the technique of her tattoo artist? This ain't mister Heboss, Luke.
0: Uh, which ones in particular are new? I didn't notice. I mean, I can't All over keep track, the shoulders
1: so and, and, and arms, Luke. I mean, she's starting to add the full sleeves.
0: Yeah, it looks like she, I can't quite tell. But it's obviously black and gray, but it might be some neo-traditional work there as well. I, I I didn't really pay too much attention that I was watching the fights. But BC, I think she is crazy underrated. Like, everyone could say, okay, for the first few minutes, you know, Lemos at distance was popping her with the jab and some other stuff, and she was getting hit with it. But dude, Rose Namajunas did that for two fucking rounds and it didn't mean anything. Her chin is ridiculous. Now you could say, well, Zhang Wiley, oh, you know, was able to get a quick stoppage when she got a little bit overconfident. Okay, that's fine. Also, she was backed up against the fence, I believe, at that time. But now that she's a little bit more careful, now that she's a little bit more worried about footwork and trying to keep a tight defense. I'm not saying that people can't get through. You saw people get through. You've seen it a million times. But when she's just careful enough, she's also super durable. Dude, she's a fucking T1 Abrams tank, man. She is. I mean, she has armor. She has, obviously, the ability to move forward. And if she gets her hands on you, good luck to you. You're going to need it. Getting the uh, wins at the elite level through KO slams. I mean, how many KO slams f- for title victories have, have there been in the UFC? Hardly. any. I don't think there's, there's been that many there's KO slams, four. period.
1: There's been four KO slams in the history of the UFC, Luke, okay?
0: Right. So Zinoviev and Shamrock, Tanner and Ortiz. This one. I can't remember the last Carlos one. Carlos Newton got got. Oh, slammed. and Newton. and uh, Yeah. Dude, we're talking about in the pantheon of <clears throat> MMA greatness that she's been involved in. Now even though she was getting touched up from Lemos a little bit, again, I go back to the fact that she is ordinarily quite, quite durable and more to the point, dude, it just, you got to put in several rounds of that before it even has an effect. And if she can get a hold of you, dude, I just want to explain something to folks to get a standing. Here's how I'll explain this. I've been taught the head and arm triangle two different ways. One way I always talk about where you can sort of lock it up, palm facing down with a hand that's um, on the mat, and then you can twist yourself like the, like the tightening of the water faucet to really seal it. There's another way that I was taught where you can actually grab and then you bring your chest onto the back of their tricep. But I want to like explain something in either case, you're having to find a way because the, the lock itself is usually not enough. You have to either bring the weight on top of the back of the arm to finish it off, or you have to simply, again, you have to, you have to close the window by moving your body around to not have either of those and to merely use your back and arms and lats to pull that into position standing dude i just you that is fucking hercules level strong i don't think i've ever actually seen someone go out from that unless they were like hurt or cut or you know looking for a way out which lemos was not under any of those circumstances in any of things that, to, to be that strong is such an ace in the hole. Especially, BC, when you're not in berserker mode, you're applying it in a very direct and specific, and obviously she's used this in the gym. That wasn't the first time she's done this. Dude, I just cannot explain to you what an advantage that is. That is stupid levels of strength.
1: Look, I have two intelligent things to say. One, let's not forget another UFC slam, which was in an exhibition fight, when Jessica Roccozzi took Roxanne Montefiore down on the Ultimate Fighter Tate versus Rousey right. season. Fair enough. Uh, with a slam and then a couple punches on top. The second thing is, you know, I tried to be cool and call uh, Andraj the, the female John Lineker last episode, and it's okay. Is she a female Vanderlei Silva, and we are just haven't woke to this, Luke? <laughs> I mean, this is—we're putting together a former champion, an absolute badass, wins across so many different divisions and different— eras of this sport to be honest with you and she's still young ish and she's still doing this to 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 ranked contenders um no she's not out of this title picture yes she may be as dangerous as ever now that she's adding these new wrinkles she's always going to get lit up by good strikers luke but if you don't get out of her out of there she may she may do the same to you so as much as i said look i want to see what levels amanda limo at in this fight is she ready for prime time We never really found that out, Luke, because Andrade can still do ridiculously, as you would say, Herculean strength efforts exactly like this.
0: Yeah, I I think that's right. And you're asking, like, what's the best comparison? It's weird. It's like you could compare her to Lineker, but that wouldn't quite tell the story. It's almost like she's a mix between Lineker and Lesnar, you know, to be that. I mean, if you go back for an example, look at the head and arm triangle, speaking of which, that Lesnar put on Shane Carwin. It was not super technical at all his elbow was super high in the air i mean he hurt he he man that shit but still they were on the ground like he had the advantage there but you know this sort of like this force of nature that is so clearly stronger and more you know lesnar didn't like getting hit as much she has much more composure so it's it's a it's a weird mix it's a combination of the two that's why she's so formidable you can find all of the flaws in her game dude they're not that they're not that hidden it's just that what do they what do they mean what does it mean that she takes a bunch of punches for the most part fuck all <laughs> you know what i mean what does it mean that her takedown percentage is not very high at first not not that it doesn't mean shit at least not that much relative to somebody who's not a championship level fighter if you are not on a championship level fighter against her you're going to have a bad day she is so dynamic and unique as a force you really really if you're going to fight her You really have to have dynamic takedowns or you have to have a stick and move game that's next level. And Rose and and JJ had those when they fought her at least the first time for, or at least the second time for Rose, second enough anyway. But short of that, dude, who's going to match her physically at 115 pounds? They can't match her physically at 135. Shevchenko obviously was a bit of a different scenario, but but aside from that, dude, nobody has an answer for this in that division, that specific kind of threat.
1: Agreed. I mean, maybe she's the female Dan Hendo for all I know, but you did mention one of my favorite fights of all time. Oh, I got the poster up here from 116 Lesnar versus Carwin. Luke, was that the most combined testosterone level between two fighters in a title <laughs> fight in UFC history? Probably.
0: Probably. Probably. Those two were probably up there.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, they were. Thank <laughs> you to Josh Rosenthal, though, for, for uh, you know, for... Not
0: stopping in the first?
1: Yeah, and for enduring that prison sentence for something that is now legalized. You know, Luke, both of the things, right?
0: Yeah, I reached out to him to talk about that. I'm sure everyone and their brother has. He doesn't want to talk about it, which is unfortunate. All right, I'd so love BC, to who- get him on our new interview series that is yet to launch, Luke. Yes, I would too, now that you're putting the cat out of the bag there. Uh, BC. <laughs>
1: if we could tell him, we're, we don't even need cameras, dude. We just need your supply, bro, okay? You know what I'm saying?
0: Just come through. Uh, BC, who <laughs> should she fight next? You have... Zhang Wylie at one. She's in need of a win. Sparza is going to be fighting Rose, so that's out. Then you got Rodriguez, Dern, and Nan in the top five. Something in there.
1: I have two ideas. One is fight uh, Marina Rodriguez directly as a number as a labeled number one contender bout to fight the winner of uh, of this title bot Unless unless let's say uh, Sparza wins and you need some type of immediate trilogy, or Luke. And this is less likely, but would be spectacular. Fight the winner of Young Jacek versus Wei Lee Part Two because it would be a rematch for her against both of those, and whoever gets the win in that surefire has to be an absolute war rematch between those two former champions. Is you know if they get that win, and then they beat Andrade, yeah, they're they're ready for another title shot. I think either way, Luke, I was wrong. She has a a a short path back to the top. This finish was a monster reminder of what she still has. And I wouldn't accept anything but those two, unless you're unless they give her Dern straight up. I mean, that's also, I guess, in the conversation as well. But my point yeah. is, her next fight might have to be labeled as you win this, you're back in the title shot.
0: Is Dern, I should say, is Andrade like the worst matchup for Dern? <clears throat> because I could see, I could see a case certainly where Dern could jump on a submission and get her. But let's say she doesn't get her, and now she's underneath and Andra or Andrade can pick her up and slam her, or you know, ground and pound on top. Size those two up for me. What would you? What, what? You would favor Andrade over Dern, right? Or no?
1: I don't know. I don't know what the betting... Uh, well, yeah, you would. You would. I mean, look, this performance showed her striking would be a monster edge against what Mackenzie Dern has shown. But what I would love about that matchup is, you know, no one's taken Jess Andrade down at will, especially not this new sort of... I mean, her strength in her lower body is just ridiculous, Luke. So you would love to see her try to work that takedown defense against Mackenzie. And I think, you know, Mackenzie Dern's one of the bigger, stronger 115-pound fighters we've seen in the history of this division and she'd be going up against possibly the strongest one. So yeah, Luke, there's a lot I love about that matchup. Even if Andrade was the slight betting favorite, I think if you're Team Dern, you you see there's a map to victory. I mean, look, that's the thing, Luke. If you have a specific set of skills, not not trying to make a a taken uh, uh, reference here. What's that guy's name, Luke? The the damn Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, yeah. Well, good pull there, Luke. Uh, huge boxing fan, that guy. Um, but you know. If you can execute your skills near perfectly, in theory, you can you can beat Jessica Andrade, but you got to walk through hell to do that. I would like to see Dern in that type of fire, but I think I would like to see her against Marina Rodriguez even more, Luke. So maybe that ends up being the most likely.
0: Yeah, either of those I'd be okay with. I like I the Rodriguez fight. I like the Dern fight for different reasons, very different opponents, different kinds of fights, but either one... Providing a good test, actually in either direction. I mean, can you imagine if Rodriguez or Dern beat Andrade? You'd be like, okay, dude, title. Like that's a number one contenders' fight, basically. Basically, yeah. um, so either way, you could have a ton of fun with those. But I was super impressed, man. I did not think she was going to go in there and just and dude to get the first kind of submission in UFC history. When we're how many events deep now overall? That is, dude. I'm just that that should tell you how difficult it is to do what she's doing. You remember you have to create the smallest window possible. And a lot of times you have to do it in a way that's not mechanically advantageous without the help of gravity. She just did it with pure fucking strength. I mean, that is, <laughs> I just can't explain to you how strong. That is so incredibly powerful as a person. She's a boa constrictor in the body of John Lineker. It's, it's, it's wild. It is. Look, do you think will fight would fight again if she lost to Wei Lee? I'm trying to figure
1: out the future of this title picture.
0: So let's say Yoana comes back, fights Zhang Wei Lee, and loses again. Does she fight again? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, not not that. against not against someone like this. No. Yeah. I'm with right. I that, mean, Luke. what would be? Le- I know. Like, I, but if she wins, that's a different story. If she comes back and she beats Zhong Wai Li out of oh, all this she's time, she's getting a
1: title. Sh- I think you give her a title shot. Look at that name. Look, if you're the UFC, there would be, in my opinion, no harm done in giving Rose Joanna a third fight if Joanna bounces back and defeats i mean that'd be a monster win at this point of Joanna's career to beat whaley
0: that would be huge it would be yeah no doubt about it that would be huge but i mean that's such a huge if like who the hell knows what we're gonna get i thought she won the first time it was super close but she's been off she's been off since the pandemic basically i mean that's john was that the same card as uh john jones versus dominic reyes i thought it was the same card as adesanya versus romero
1: But I could be wrong. I think that's right. But but, but right around that that time, like,
0: yeah, just pre-pandemic. And then here all this time later, she hasn't fought. So I guess we'll have to see. Uh, All right. We move on to now topic number two, which, of course, we stay with the UFC. So here's how I'm going to ask this card. Rather than just going through a big thing of these, I'm going to list you the names who had, I thought, really big and cool wins. But maybe you can size them up for me. Macy Barber, Charles Jordan, Claudio Pueggez. Who was the most impressive on Saturday? Give me the one of the three.
1: It's it's a it's a close it's a close this conversation here. You can go either way, and I love the commitment. Look, your fucking commitment to pronouncing Poelos, I mean, successfully, you were, dude. They were
0: saying shit like Poilos. I'm like, I mean, you were
1: assaulting <laughs> these announcers over text on Twitter. I mean, you were just like assaulting as a strong. You,
0: assaulting is a strong word.
1: You're like, I'm. In fact, I'm going to go take Spanish classes just to prove these motherfuckers wrong. That's the that's the spirit you brought to that. But look, the answer is Macy Barber, and the reason, Luke, Ooh. is because. That split decision win she had just had was it against Maverick? Yeah, against Miranda Maverick. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't convincing enough for me, and she was on a slide that that really seemed to come out of nowhere, beginning with that upset loss to Roxanne Modafferi, and to see her not just stop the bleeding, although again she's coming off a win, a disputed one, but look, she returned to exactly who she was, in my opinion. Before that slide started, the next level aggression, the no matter what, I'm going to get my strikes off and my strikes are going to be violent. Look, the the difference in this fight and and Montana De La Rosa is not a completely well-rounded fighter, as you saw in her striking, but she's durable. She's big. Her ground game is excellent. The difference in this fight was every time they were in that standing clinch, which was seemingly three quarters of this fight. Barber was able to separate and land vicious shots, Luke. I mean, she was able to land absolute hammers. That's the Macy Barber of old, the person who fights angry, the person who seems to have a gas tank that won't quit. Somewhere along the road, Luke, she lost some of who she was. The losses compounded, maybe the doubt and fear kicked in. But whatever she has needed to add in the interim, to get back to that she added it this is a great win against a good fighter not you know not, not a world beater in montana but a good a good win in terms of the stakes but a great win in terms of the performance and the idea that we all know it's a shallow division 125 it's a short path to the title And if she keeps looking like this, Luke, it won't be long until she opens that door and Shevchenko's standing there. Just out of, you know, in some cases out of necessity because there's not much else until, what's her name again? Tatiana Suarez comes back. But, uh, Luke, she's back. And I don't sit here as some Macy Barber super fan, but I sit here with respect and tell you she's back, Luke.
0: Yeah, I I thought this was, uh, this is not going to be my answer for the whole question, but in terms of what Barber showed, I do agree that this was a pretty important fight for her because she lost to Motiferi and then she lost to Grasso when she was like 21 years old or 22 years old whatever it was like for her birthday but pretty pretty young and pretty early in the the going and then I wasn't sure her development was going in the right direction because you know you get we've talked about it before some people can get to the UFC at 21 years old and they can develop fully and it's no big deal they're pretty rare in number but it is possible still it's not going to be easy for a lot of fighters so I was like a little bit concerned and you mentioned that there was time off Part of that was also injury-related. She had to get, I think, her hand or her wrist surgery um, uh, taken care of, so there was a problem there. So against Miranda Maverick, she had a good showing, but I thought that she had lost that contest, and it was very, very close. Here against De La Rosa, this was the first time, I think, since the loss to Grasso, no, in one of the rounds, for a complete performance. This is the first time since the loss to Grasso where I thought she not only had more skills and more departments than her opponent, but, dude, she took charge of the fight. That was, to me, the big difference. De La Rosa was kind of waiting around somewhat. Now, I agree with you. She did have better ground skills uh, for the most part, at least better, better pure jiu-jitsu, let's say, than Barber. And at times, you saw a little bit of that, for sure. But what really set off the difference here was there was just a certain level of intentionality, game planning, and execution, fearless execution, thoughtful execution, thoughtful but basically fearless, like this is the job that has to get done in order for me to win. And I'm simply going to like a pile, like a, like a power drill. I'm going to just shoot right through and make it happen. And she did. And that to me was really impressive. To have a very disciplined um, approach to the game to fight with intentionality, to fight with clear strategy, and then to show the well-roundedness. And the other part you're talking about, too, you know, she used to have a little bit of meanness, like you watch her contender series fight, that kind of a thing. This was really the first time, I think, in a while where we got a better glimpse of that. Fight went the full distance, but on those clinch breaks, she was showing a lot of good work. So I agree. This was a very—all the names I mentioned had a really nice win.
1: Luke, here's the best compliment I can give her, and they, don't take this the wrong way. She fights like she had a really bad childhood. I don't know if she did, Luke, but she's fighting like that again. Okay.
0: Yes, I I know what you mean. It is a terrible thing to consider, but it is the reality. A lot of times, these guys come from or ladies come from broken homes, and they I have no to idea. But
1: she's back to fighting like that, Luke, and that that's what gets you ahead in this game. You know, especially in a, in a division that's not that deep, Luke.
0: Right, but uh, for me, I'm going to go with the Peruvian Prince. Now, uh, one note on Guida BC as Mike Bond, who is just—I mean, you know. <laughs> I was going to call him the Bill Cosby of the skies, but that's not Don't, fair. No, um, come on. Don't do that, Luke. Come on. That's, no, no, it's just, it's not fair at all. It's not fair at all. Uh, but I'll just say this. Mike Bonner, MMA Junkie, had a point. I mean, point W.
1: Kamau on... Bell did DM me asking for his contact info, Luke. That's all I can tell you, all right? You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, I got a documentary
0: idea about airplanes, Mike. You got any, uh, yeah. Yeah. But the point I want to make about Mike is he raised a, a point on Twitter that was quite correct, which was this was the last fight on Guido's uh, MMA con- or excuse me UFC contract, so he fought it out and it wasn't like he got like super beat up or something, but he got finished very very quickly. In fact, the time according to the notes here, uh, he won excuse me he lost via knee bar at three minutes and one seconds, third knee bar in a row for Claudio Puelles, dude, unbelievable the stuff that this guy has shown. Three knee bars he has on his record overall, which is fantastic and dude he also took charge of this fight never giving even though Guido was able to reverse position a couple times you know, here was a guy who showed jujitsu attacking all the time and then bc he not only gets this fantastic arm bar from knee shield or z guard he whips into it scores it it was i mean he had Guido dead to rights on this the 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 ankle of Guido was by his ear for crying out loud then was, he gets on vicious. the mic yeah. Then he gets on the mic and he calls for a commentary job. He calls for Twitter. Give me that verification badge. I thought somebody who did the most to raise their profile in stock would be him. What would you think about that?
1: Absolutely. He fights with that same spirit of, of the guy that you know your girlfriend tells you not to be nervous about when you send her off to college, Luke, in her dorms. But he's creeping up on that door, sitting in the room, you know, like talking about his childhood endearingly. And then he finishes. He gets the finish, Luke. He did that in this fight. That's five in a row since losing his UFC debut. You see the sublime uh, ability to put Guida in peril, seemingly out of nowhere. You know, obviously it's a calculated setup, but it just sort of happens to the to the uninitiated eye, like my own. And you're just like, "Damn, um, in great shape, good-looking kid, great nickname, El Nino, Luke. He's coming the hell on." I just no, can't I think figure he's the out- prince
0: of Peru now.
1: I just can't figure out how to pronounce his name, because I look at that, I see pue I'm wrong?
0: So, there's, you, yeah, basically, it's P-U-E would be like a P-W-E to our uh, ears and eyes, so it's Pue, and then the double L is a Y, so yes, Pue-yes, or you can do how my wife says it, which they say double L like a Y, like a J, so pue either, either way. Daddy Janky, got it, yes, yes. Yeah, or she says, yeah, that's why she says Daddy Janky, because they treat double L's and Y's the same where she's from, so there you go. Um, but anyway, yes, unbelievable performance by him. And we should also note for Jordan, I, it's it's not that his performance wasn't great. There's was, uh, it was fantastic. In fact, it he got ruled. like it ruled. Like, he, he got hit once and then came back, fired that. I think it was a left straight, perfectly down the middle, drops Venata, and then jumps on the guillotine. And this is what was so clear. This is why I. I this is why I, you ranked Barber ahead. That's why I didn't pick Jordan as having the best performance because I just didn't understand what Lando Venata was doing that one time. Jordan goes for the guillotine, and then on the guillotine, you see Venata peel it away. He's good. Still tries to sit up in the half guard to reverse position and then just re exposes his neck and doesn't fight the hands. Jordan keeps it with one, and then he did fight it with a high elbow on the other. So it wasn't a one-arm guillotine, but it was weird that he fought it off. He hand-fought correctly and then just let it go. Jordan went right back to it and got it. So like for that reason, it's not like he didn't do his job. He did his job times a 1,000. It's just that there was such a real... Uh, obvious error on the part of his opponent that I had to give the other people a bit higher of a uh, of a ranking.
1: Though. Here's what I'll say about Air Jordan. Uh, and you were right when you told me offline that you know this card sucked on paper, but boy, did it develop fun moments, storylines, things worth talking about after the fact, even if it was buried on this loaded combat weekend. Jordan had the hardest fight of these three. He had the most, in my opinion, the most dangerous opposition, because look, Venata mm. came in there, I tweeted it with the damn eye of the tiger. He came in there as a veteran at 30, who'd been alternating wins and losses, who was like, fuck it, now I'm figuring out how to do this. I've been an action fighter, I've done some great things, now I'm gonna figure out how to absolutely destroy people. And Luke, he came in with that haircut, facial hair, you know, movie villain combination, like he's walking on the set of Breaking Bad or something, Luke. He came in there to, to win, and dude, that's a, to, to for Jordan to do that against that focused and dangerous of an opponent, very, very impressive.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. I think he he definitely had the toughest assignments, just the way that the fight worked out. Jordan did everything he was supposed to, but some of it was a little bit served up. But And you look, you know, idea. you
1: clown on me a lot. You know what I'm saying? And, and shout out to people like. Uh, Julius Angliskis, my Lithuanian brethren, or Imantis Staniosis, who just won a piece of the welterweight title in boxing, first Lithuanian. But Luke, don't you fucking forget for a second, I'm French-Canadian on the other 50%, and so is Charles Jordan, and you saw that same spirit, Luke. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll, sure. I will cut you if you test me. That's the thing, Luke, at the end of the day. You know, jo- jokes and fun and games until I get that joking.
0: Duly noted. All right. Let's move on to topic number three if we can, BC. This was the biggest combat sports event of the weekend by a million miles. You had an instant reaction on Saturday immediately after the fights, which were afternoon time for us here on the East Coast in the United States. But Tyson Fury scored a devastating One-punch uppercut knockout over Dillian White in the sixth round in front of... Which, by the way, were there 94,000 people? ESPN would never mention anything. I couldn't (laughs) tell. In any event, in front of a monster UK crowd. BC, let's start here. Many things impressive about this win. What was the most impressive thing?
1: Uh, The recommitment of Fury in two areas. One, in terms of fitness, because let's be honest, when he came back from 18 months to fight Wilder the third time, with really not much to gain since it was a court-mandated contractual kick-in for for, uh, Wilder to make that third fight happen. We saw Fury a little bit out of shape. We saw him have to get up off the canvas twice. We saw him have to just gut out a legendary win. This was different, Luke. This was 12 weeks training camp, as they talked about in the broadcast. This was an absolute, what's the best version of Fury we can find at age 33 physically? It was this guy. Now, equally, what's as equally impressive? the commitment to becoming a power puncher under Sugar Hill Stewart. That soliloquy he gave after the fight of just love. And I don't know, I don't even remember when it happened, Luke, but I don't think I've ever seen Javon Sugar Hill Stewart uh, with a shirt on anymore. He's always shirtless around Tyson Fury. Um, Luke, they have, he has successfully taken the blueprint, which started with Fury's Uncle Peter, you know, continued to Ben Davidson of, of this freak of nature size guy who fights like a middleweight in terms of his speed. He switches stances, he does all that stuff. But now a couple fights into this Kronk style, Luke, he's a legitimate power puncher. Legitimate. And, and, you know, I never would have guessed that that Tyson Fury, despite that size, that weight, the reach, would become a legitimate one-punch threat. This uppercut showed you, Luke, and this is why I think we all poo-poo the talk of retirement. Um, he's, he's better than he's ever been right now and there's a lot of revisionist i told you so bc white's a bum he's always been a bum like no no he hasn't always been a bum he went 12 and 1 over his last 13 like okay but you would agree he possible. did not have a
0: strong he, he did not fight well in this contest he had
1: an awful performance but guys it's because fury closed all the the, the lanes and the reason why i predicted it would be the opposite including maybe fury getting up off the canvas is because you saw Tyson Fury last fall, who wasn't the very best version of him. And with all of that retirement talk, you did have to sort of say to yourself, are we seeing Fury play out the hits, you know, down the stretch? Could he come into this fight overconfident? You know, no, he didn't, Luke. He he, he, he crossed all the T's, out of the I's. Anything White tried, he got absolutely shoved in his face. Like I, like I mentioned in that... 45-minute long rant I did on the uh, post show that people can watch on youtube.com slash morning combat. I mean, when White tried to be dirty, Tyson was dirtier. When White tried to close distance, Tyson relied on his, on his quickness and his length, but then put that pepper with the salt, Luke. Now that he is committing to fight finishing blows, he is as dangerous as ever, Luke. We are watching a special, a special fighter, a historic fighter, because the main theme I did in that post show was telling you this. I don't know exactly where we can rank Fury historically because, unfortunately, his resume is so thin because of all the times he's been out of the ring and not inside of it since becoming a big name. But ability-wise, uh, mythical matchup-wise, Luke, he's a problem for every single heavyweight champion in the history of the sport. That, that's facts. That's just, that's math, right? That's, that's, that's genetics, that's size, that's all that. You don't have people who can do it all like this. Where's the hole in this game? It used to be power punching. It's not a hole anymore, dude. He's got a chin, he's got everything, Luke. I mean, the hole in this game might be the unpredictability of his of his personality and the fact that after beating Klitschko he did go on a four-year bender. You know, we've been down that road, but like that's that's the biggest obstacle in him becoming a top 5 all-time heavyweight is him. And Luke right now, he's beating himself. You know what I'm saying? He he's in control of himself. So the only thing I sort of want to talk to you about is something I didn't even mention in the post-show, but Dillian White sure did today in his first interview. BoxingScene.com had a headline from it. Um, White talking about the push. It did happen, Luke. I, 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 I regret it, not bringing it I, up.
0: I, 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 saw, I, I saw it in real time. Didn't think much of it, but now that White I didn't brought think it much up, of it is it a of either because, look, the
1: right uppercut that Fury landed in round six that dropped White and dropped him hard, again, I think that finishes – you know every heavyweight in the world but after landing that uppercut he did do the two-handed shove and look fury will test the boundaries of what's legal luke and especially if you try to be dirty to him he'll be dirtier i want to ask you white says that shove was illegal he should have been given more time to recover because of it what do you say
0: I think if you wanted, I mean, plus there was, you know, how about in the fourth round when Tyson Fury's brother is fucking throwing water on him when they're in the corner and the fight's still going on, like not in between rounds, that was weird. There was a headbutt that caused a cut over the what was it the right eye of Dillian White? I mean, there was a lot of that fight that was a little, you know, and they had said that this referee was the best of their of their all the ones they had available, but had I think this was the first time doing a heavyweight title fight, a main event, I believe. In, in any case. Um I thought he did mostly a good job but that these two guys you needed someone who was going to be quick on the action there. Listen, here's the thing. Does white have a case by the letter of the law that not everything was followed as it should have been and therefore in terms of due process he might be owed something. I think if you really wanted to be highly technical about it and be it had this crazy fealty to the to the to the rules, yeah, maybe you could argue that. That's I don't think that's that crazy but the problem is this bc number one as you indicated that shot fucked him up i think he probably would have been put out no matter what number two and this is part of the story dude he didn't do shit to tyson fury for six rounds for as long as that fight lasted he got some decent body shots in there here or there but a they weren't a whole lot of them and b usually fury had a response that was even better right after it And then more to the point, that was all there was. I don't know if he made a clean contact with a head punch through the entire fucking fight, man. So it's like, dude, did did the rules get uh, ignored here a little bit in this uh, this, uh, fury, no pun intended, that happened post-fight with all this fervor and all this craziness? Yeah, maybe so. But is there any appetite for a second fight? Why? Tyson Fury is immeasurably better than Dillian White.
1: Yeah, and I, w- I watched the replay a couple more times after reading White saying that, and he he might be true that he might not have gone down if not for that push, but Luke, he looked out on his feet in that split right. second there, so even if he doesn't go down, you gotta believe Fury is gonna finish him, and again, like, I di- I expected Fury to win. I didn't expect Fury to, to essentially shut down every single thing White had. It was disappointing in that, str- in that sense from knowing how good Dillian White is, but... You know, it's not like there's a lot of 6 foot 9 heavyweights with quick hands and a great chin that you can spar against and prepare for, Luke. He got in there and he looked very limited in the end because Luke, his style is so predicated upon getting inside. Statistically, CompuBox wise, he's the second uh, busiest heavyweight in the game today, and when that was closed, yeah, he was done. He was absolutely done. And and credit to Tyson Fury. So Luke, um you heard my excitement. Anyone that watched my post show heard my excitement. Do you also agree, even with White's flat performance, that this might be Fury at 33, which is so, so damn young at heavyweight, by the way. Like, this might be the the, the best, most dangerous version of him we've ever seen.
0: I couldn't believe how good, dude, that was, I'm not going to say easy for him, but that was not that hard for him. Uh, and there's a couple things that folks just lost sight of. Does any, did, would anyone pay attention? Like, this is why the uppercut landed. Everyone talks about how he measured him, and then he waited for him to come in, so the timing of it was really good. But the other part was, did anyone notice the guard that Dillian White was using? He was using the Joe uh, Frazier cross guard, where he brings his hands up like this, like that, but the uppercut wouldn't work. So what you saw, essentially, Fury do was invest in these, in these linear punches, uh, excuse me, invest in these wide punches, That would force the guard to go from here to here, creating a lane up the middle, and then he fired it on top of the distance measuring. And then, you know, he was expecting the pressure. By the way, there was much more pressure late because I think White was starting to get frustrated because he couldn't get on the inside. Uh, Fury was tying him up. I mean, there was all these things that Fury does from changing the guard that the opponent is using to changing their tactics. Remember, they came out in opposite stances, then switched to the other side and all these games. I don't know what any of maybe Usyk, maybe Usyk has the boxing IQ to handle someone like Fury, but then you go to the size and the other parts, and I just don't know. I don't think any of these heavyweights can beat him. We don't know that until we have we can see them fight it out. But there are so many layers to what Tyson Fury does, including BC to having a nearly five-minute walkout in 50-degree weather where Dillian White just has to sit there and chill as he gets called a big dosser by some announcer. And then <clears throat> there's this karaoke party that Tyson Fury has. I mean, there's just the, the level of involvement from the strategy to the execution to everything else that he comes up with is so next level. These guys are not playing on the same wavelength. Oh, no, time. I mean, look, Not even a little bit.
1: Look, White had been stopped twice in the past. 2015 against Anthony Joshua... Just about two, three years ago, against Alexander Povetkin, and both came via an uppercut. So you have to look at how well they studied White, the the twelve week training camp that we talked about, which which can be double what 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 can what can happen for most fighters in a big fight. Although sometimes you'll see eight week camps. Um, they landed that same shot. It was perfect. And look, what, what if you really want to break down the technique? It was off the jab, but Fury paused after the jab to allow White to begin moving in, and that's why the uppercut was so perfect in the timing of it, where, yeah, we we want to and we need to see him against the winner of AJ Usyk too. AJ's always going to be a you know 6'6 and a puncher, so it's always gonna be worth watching and despite Fury being favored. But I do agree with you that Usyk is the is the interesting matchup that that long term, separate from the Nganu talk, separate from anything else, Usyk is the potential matchup if he gets by uh, Joshua again. That at the very least we can say we've never seen Fury tangle with that, right? We've seen him tangle with a blown-up cruiserweight in Steve Cunningham before who gave Fury trouble. In fact, Cunningham dropped him in 2013 in Madison Square Garden in the theater. Um, But uh, I I think that's going to be something to look forward
0: to. Don't you agree it's a different Fury than the one that Steve Cunningham fought? Oh, thought?
1: God, absolutely. That's a fat Fury back then. That's a Fury who um, I was working for ESPN at the time, and we had a camera crew there, and, and as soon as he finished his final interview at, at, at that fight in the theater at Madison Square Garden, he walked across to that Irish pub across the street and spent the, the, whole, the rest of the day there, Luke. I mean, that is a that is a different Tyson Fury in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, commit. I mean, look, back, back full circle back to the first question you asked me and my answer, the commitment is at a level that it's not been in a long ass time Luke and it's it's you know it's funny I did a I did a couple of radio hits I'm sure you might have done too ahead of this fight I was on with Boise Idaho Luke and they're like you know Fury looks so fat how's he going to do it I'm like no actually he's in better shape than normal it's we you just have to get get used to the fact that that's who he is he's already a unique freak of nature and even with the giant belly Luke we've never seen anything like him before and if he stays this dialed in and if he commits to the power punching this time, that's that that might uh, that might end up being the difference if he ends up facing Usyk for the undisputed championship. His ability to finish guys and do it from distance too, Luke. Damn, this. I mean, look, I've always been an admirer of Tyson Fury. I thought he was shit up until the Klitschko fight, and I mean that. I thought, look, I thought it was shit. You know, last time, the probably the last time Tyson Fury's ever thrown an uppercut. Do you ever see that highlight of early in his career? He went to throw an uppercut and he missed and he punched himself he in the himself? face. Yeah. Like, that's early Tyson Fury. You know, he'd have a great performance, then he'd be fat for three fights. This guy has always been all over the map. But when he dials in, Luke, damn. Damn, brother. Yeah. It's like also, a lot let's of people... talk
0: about let's talk about his power a little bit because everyone's like, oh, he's got huge power now. Well, Okay, I don't... Placement. Uh, I'm, I, placement. It's right. Placement. So here's... here's He has... Do you remember when we would be like, oh, man, connor has got that left-hand power in MMA, and then he went over to boxing, and, you know, it, it didn't quite translate as well. There was a lot of sort of talk about, you know, what is the source of his power. And a lot of it is, yes, he has... He he's a big, strong 155-er at this point anyway, but, you know, it was a big, strong 145-er for a, a lot of it. But the other part was just the accuracy of it, the timing of it, the placement of it, right? There was just so many other parts where... He would, when he would finally fire, it had some heft to it, but these other factors about placement and timing and the guys not seeing it coming, all of it added up to boom, he has a sniper effect. That's more what I would say is happening here. We talked about it on Friday. The one thing I think that really held up from our Friday analysis, because a lot of it was probably pretty wrong, but the part that did hold up was that like, yes, the extra weight and this new style, although he was on the back foot here because white was pressing into him, but the new style generally allows him to throw much more significant force. But the real difference is there's A, added force, and B, White was walking into that punch. He did not see it coming, and that's what really takes it over to the next level. But the reason why he walked into it and didn't see it coming is because Tyson Fury sets traps and it has a boxing IQ that is just beyond what any of his competitors, up to this uh, present moment anyway, have been able to show. So I want to be clear about that. The power is real but it's not the full story of the knockout. It's not. No,
1: but but just the fact that he's figured out how to make the best of his body, and look, I mean, he's six nine two, 2 what? 70, 60, whatever he was for this fight? 270,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, dude, if he's going to stand at range, especially with that right hand, and connect with something that he commits to, you got a you gotta chance to get knocked out. You got a chance to get knocked the hell out. And by the way, one of, I looked at White's comments again. The main thing he focused on, he says... He was buzzed by the uppercut, but he wasn't knocked out until he was pushed and he hit the back of his head on the canvas. But Luke, if you watch those replays, he never actually hit the back of his head on the canvas and his eyes were out of it as he fell. So I I, I pull that out of the equation. I'm also being t- told by J-Bone on Twitter, Luke, that we should have considered Matt Hughes slamming himself unconscious as part of the uh, U- UFC slam list. Is that true?
0: Yes, but he woke up and they didn't count it, so you can't. Yeah, so,
1: hey, J-Bone, get, get wrecked yeah. right there. But, um, Luke, I mean, what a boon to the heavyweight division to have a star like this. Um, You know, he did reveal in the post-fight interview that all this talk about retirement did start ahead of the third Wilder fight when he promised his wife, Paris, that he would step aside, but then broke that promise for the chance to come back to the UK. And we know that with that win bonus, 4.1 million, that the WBC somehow worked into the contract. You know, he made upwards of thirty something million for this. Um, now I'm being told that both his wife Paris Hilton and his trainer Sugar Hill Stewart uh, said after Paris the fight Hilton's, that
0: Paris Hilton's his wife.
1: Did I say Paris Hilton again? Did I do that? Yes, <laughs> I think Joe Tess did that too. Paris Fury, um, they are both saying now that they expect Tyson to wait until he becomes the undisputed champion and then retire. And Luke again, even with his mental unpredictability. There, there ain't no way he's letting somebody else hold up all four belts. There's just not any way. It's just not happening, Luke. You know, you want to be the heavyweight oh, hold on, record. Before we go, before, before go,
0: we go to it. the next question, though, let me, let me ask you. Before we go to the next question, let me ask you about this. We, we have to talk about it. Does Tyson Fury, for the reasons I mentioned before, too, by the way, about making white weight, does he have the best walkouts in boxing?
1: Uh, I think he's tied with Anthony Joshua. And, look,
0: I think— Oh, I think it's better than Joshua. Joshuas are big— Canelo's Dude, are big. This Joshua's is or different. Joshua's
1: are Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Joshua comes out with those giant lit up AJ letters, and then he lights them on fire with yeah, the Yeah, but he like doesn't have Rock, that Luke.
0: same fucking verve, man. Come on,
1: Luke. I said this in the po- in the post show. I think Fury was getting a little jealous because he was out of boxing when Anthony Joshua became a star, and then Fury was fighting in America upon his comeback. I think he was a little jealous at watching Fury do. 80 and 90 k in these stadiums and come out like a rock star. I think that's why this fight was super important to him. Um, you can't sit here and tell me that Furies are considerably better. Also, Luke, people will forget this because the fight. Uh, they're 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 better for me, but go ahead. People will forget this because the fight sucked the damn horn. But I don't know if you remember in 2011, we thought we had a heavyweight unification title fight between Vladimir Klitschko and David Hay that was going to put that shitty era of bad heavyweight run behind us. Unfortunately, David Hay with the injured toe didn't try to fight and it was a shitty fight. The ring entrances for that, they were in Germany, were next fucking level. You had like actors sitting on like a park bench reading a newspaper and the newspaper came alive. Like Luke, that was something we've never seen before. But yeah, come on, Fury and AJ are in the same sentence here. Don't don't mess with that, Luke. They're way
0: better than a- AJ man. to me feels like a king who walks out and expects reception tyson fury to me feels like a guy who walks out and wants to join the karaoke party it just doesn't feel the same to me at all but i'll, I'll say that the grandiosity of both is cannot be ignored all right before we go to the next con- t- topic last one on this part of the equation this is something that occurred to me but styles make fights and so you don't want to do mma or boxing math which is to say Maybe can we have some renewed respect for what Deontay Wilder was able to do with a limited skill set against Tyson Fury? I understand that you could get a result where White could box Wilder and beat him up and then you would say, well, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But I don't know, BC. After not quite 36 rounds, but 24 plus 28 rounds or so, whatever it was, 30 rounds-ish, of fighting Tyson Fury, he had a lot more success than a lot of these other heavyweights who we herald as being better than Deontay Wilder he had significantly more success than them. What, what's the You're story right. with how you reevaluate what Wilder was able to do?
1: I agree with you. And I, I even I might even get end up getting dead wrong later this week because when we were talking Friday, previewing this fight and saying, you know, who do you think of the five best heavyweights right now? I was sort of pushing Wilder back. We don't know if he's going to come back, you know. But the reality is, you know, Wilder beat Luis Ortiz twice when Ortiz was still pretty damn dangerous. And he beat everybody else not named Tyson Fury. Now, Wilder because he was soft-matched for most of it, and then because he couldn't access the the larger names, although DAZN did offer him $100 million to fight Joshua twice, and he turned that down. But you get my point. We didn't get to see him against everybody, but yeah, Luke, nobody has this type of success against Fury, and he had it a couple times. Flawed as absolute shit, but nobody, and especially that third fight, nobody can take away the all-time great championship heart that Deontay Wilder brought. Look, his reactions to defeats have been rough. Him blaming Tyson Fury for cheating 16 ways and his corner for drugging him. That was rough. But Luke, we already recognize him as one of the greatest punchers in history. And you just have to say that one skill he had was so freaking great that it was the one kryptonite that the greatest heavyweight of this era had to get himself up off the deck four separate times in three fights against. So, yes, let's put respect back on Deontay Wilder's name, who absolutely maxed himself out for a guy who came to boxing at age 19 and was still crude as shit after winning a championship, defending it a bunch of times, getting rocked by guys like Eric Molina that he shouldn't have been, you know what I mean? But yet inevitably putting those guys away. Um, Wilder's still, I think, Luke, a problem for anybody if he can come back with that same mindset he had in the third fury fight. But I agree that I'm glad that you brought this up. We do need to look back and say, like, you know, hate him all you want for any reason. But Wilder's in there against anyone. In history too, because again, Luke, it goes to the physics of it, the physicality of it. Wilder's six foot seven, a great athlete, even if he doesn't isn't known for technique or footwork or things like that, but an explosive athlete. And arguably the biggest puncher we've ever seen. So yeah, you're damn right. He he he. For whatever his version of great was, I think he got all of it, Luke.
0: I'll just say this: you know, to knock down Tyson Fury four times is remarkable. And again, we knew a couple of those times, especially the first one from the first fight. Fury getting up from that is borderline miraculous. But the thing I would say is not just getting that result, but getting that result with how limited his skill set is. Because dude, when you watch him box. You know, you can say that Wilder overperformed or, or, you know, performed well, whatever you want to say, but you can't make an argument that, oh, no, his boxing actually is super high level. It's Roy Jones-esque. It's not. It's That's not what it is. So to have as limited a skill set as, as he has, although with you know, absolutely monstrous power, he maximized the shit out of that and went a lot further than a, a lot of critics thought he could go and a lot further than... A lot of these other big talking heavyweights thought they could do against Tyson Fury. Wilder had significantly more success than them, and I think that's a part of the story as well. Or let okay. me
1: ask you this, Luke: If tomorrow the same version of Deontay Wilder that that was willing to risk it all against Fury in the third fight, if he fights in succession, Dillian White, Anthony Joshua, and Alexander Usyk, what's his in, in Andy Ruiz? Right? Okay, those four in a row. What's his record coming out of that?
0: Deontay Wilder. Yeah. How i think many he, wins beats, in those I think he beats ruiz i think he beats joshua he does not beat Usyk. and i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know that's a tougher one to call because white's a, is, is a is a fucking bull as well yeah. um yeah but he gets at a bare minimum i think he gets two of them and joshua a much better boxer as well i don't think he can stay away from deontay's power for 12 rounds i don't i really don't um and 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 that was the difference fury tried to dance around it and it didn't really work Fury went after it. He went into yes. the storm, and that's the difference. I don't think AJ has that gear or that durability, and I think that's what would make a, the difference between those two. Or that two.
1: willingness. While AJ has spectacular knockouts when he gets people hurt, does he have the willingness to walk in there and risk it all? No, Luke. He didn't, I don't think so. He didn't even do that against Usyk. He tried to outbox Usyk, right?
0: He did, and it didn't work. And Usyk was just a better box. This is what I mean. It's like Joshua is a formidable package of different boxing great parts but the reality is the vulnerabilities that his contemporaries could take advantage of given their particular skills and what they're good at it's too hard to ignore he doesn't have that chin or that and you look at there with second ruiz like compare the first and second wilder fury fights with the first and second ruiz fight in terms of the strategy you know joshua went i'm gonna stay the fuck away from this guy and fury goes i'm gonna back this motherfucker up big difference big difference All right, B.C., point number four. We'll stay with Fury, but we're going to switch to something that is... I hadn't even planned to really talk about this, but then Francis Ngannou got in the ring with him. Tyson Fury joked about his hog. All kinds (laughs) of craziness went down. He seemed to put a pause on their retirement. He did not say exactly which way he was going to go, B.C., but the question I would have for you is as follows. They did specifically hype up a potential bout with... UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. Bob Arum, after the fact, saying, I don't know if we can make this done, but in theory, it should be quite easy to do. Is this, A, the right fight to make, given the circumstances, and B, let's let's say it now, is this fight going to happen in 2022?
1: Uh, look, dude, before that post-fight interview, I would have said... You know, fun to talk about, but for a lot of different reasons, I just don't see it. Then suddenly they're in the ring together. Then he's like, hey, Frank, you know, if you got a big, you know, let us all search it right now. Let's find out how hard you got to work it. Um. So look, suddenly it is a conversation. Should Tyson Fury want to be a part of this? I say no, Luke. You just made 30 something million. You know what I mean? Like you just in in a a very tough fight, but also a mandatory title defense. Dude, Tyson, when that undisputed opportunity comes, let's say Usyk and Joshua fight this summer, I mean, Luke, in theory, we could be doing the undisputed championship fight in November or December. I mean, in theory, you could be doing it this calendar year. Luke, if Anthony Joshua comes back and knocks out Usyk, and we go right into a four-belt undisputed championship, I mean, like, you're printing money. You know what I'm saying? I I made a joke, like, let's find a cornfield in in the UK where we can fit 300 people, 300,000 people into it. Let's shatter all the records because it's that big of a fight. I don't think Fury, as long as he doesn't get hurt or suffer some type of ridiculous loss, I don't think that's going to stop him from seeking the undisputed championship fight early next year. And I'm not here to say, hey, Fury, You can't go make this, in theory, easy money like Connor did in the midst of his prime like anybody, right? You can't say that to him. He's a boxer. He has control over his own brand. He went to WWE for the same reason, to make money, get exposure. He was one of the worst celebrity wrestlers we've ever seen, Luke, which is why every time he teases that he's going to come back, you're like, yeah. But my whole point is, Luke, I would wish that he wouldn't want to do this until after he was officially done chasing world titles and greatness in the ring and now in that post fight interview they talked about mixed rules so look we've heard in the past that the that you know they said okay well why don't we do four ounce gloves why don't we do something to try to even the stakes if this was a pure boxing match you know i would want nothing to do with it it could it still sell if it was a pure boxing match yeah probably for the spectacle of it but i think if they do commit to making an actual mixed rules like what if what if Fury actually agreed to these parts of it, Luke? Which is part of the BKFC slash Triller versus sort of way of I, hybrid. I, have, I and, have
0: an idea about that. I have an idea about uh, that. So
1: what? Well, let me tell you. What what if you did four ounce gloves? Right. You allowed clint You allowed heavy clinching and dirty boxing, and you did it in a cage. I do as much as again. I don't want to see that right now because I want to see Fury. Fully, fully capable and ready to face the winner of Joshua Usyk too, but if it has to go that way and they can get everybody to say yes I do admit Luke you've got a spectacle on your hands. I mean you've got something that people are going to turn into Um, Whether you think no matter what you do to the rules Fury's still gonna win that and let's not forget Fury is a fighting man Luke. He comes from a legacy of bare-knuckle people he is crazy enough to put on the four-ounce gloves and go in there with Ngannou. You're damn right, he is crazy enough. I kind of wish he wasn't, though, Luke. I don't get how everybody, Brett, Ariel, on Twitter's like, "Yeah, man, this is gonna be great." Like, is it this bad yeah, timing? Yeah. If it's in a boxing
0: eyes. match, if it's a boxing match, it's a giant waste of time that makes a giant amount of money. Let's so just put it that way. If they, if they if they end up having a regular boxing match between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. God bless Francis. He'll get the amount of money that he has long wanted, that he is owed. i take nothing from him. I'd be happy for him and his family. They'd be set up for generations on the amount of money that I think that they would make. And I mean that quite sincerely. That'd be a great thing to see. But in terms of, like, a fight, I don't have... I have less than zero interest in seeing any of that because, you know, everyone needs to understand something. It's not just that Fury is a good boxer. Dude, you... you and Francis has big power, but A, we don't know how Francis's power would translate through the gloves and in sort of a boxing context, and B, you have to hit Tyson Fury. He's pretty hard to hit. Pretty hard to hit clean, anyway. Ask Dillian White about that. So that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if I agree that it has to be in the cage, because that seems like a bridge too far, but I'll say this, BC. You know, watching what one championship—I go back to it, dude. I go back to it. Watching the Muay Thai rules in a cage with the four-ounce gloves— it's fucking awesome. It's great. It's really, really good. They could put it in a ring. They could put it in a cage. But I think if Tyson Fury was willing to put four-ounce gloves on, I got to tell you, that might be enough of a wild card because Tyson would still be infinitely better at boxing. But, dude, we just know for a fact. You can say whatever you want about Francis's skill. You go look what he did to Alistair Overeem. In the four-ounce gloves, his power is simply not really incontestable. It's historic. It's historic. That to me, I got to admit, it's still be spectacle as shit, but I would want to see it. My only point I would want to make beyond that, BC, is if Joshua does beat Usyk, then Fury has to fight him. I agree that that fight would be huge for the UK, huge for the division, huge for boxing, huge for every player involved. But if Usyk goes in there and beats him again, fuck it, man. Let's throw the four ounce gloves on these guys in a ring or a cage or whatever. And let's see what happens because I don't. Uh, yes, Usyk versus Fury would, would be great as well as well to see. But at that point, if he's really willing to make a real hybrid rules match, I honestly might be more interested in that version if Joshua right, isn't capable questions. of getting in a fight.
1: I have key questions about the viability of this. So I need to answer you to answer quickly. What's the difference in money? Do you believe that Fury could make against Usyk for all four belts in front of you know how many people they can fit in Webley? Let's say they go up to ninety eight thousand. And this mixed rules fight at whatever, Las Vegas Raiders stadium there against what's the difference in in paycheck for Fury in that, in your eyes?
0: Assuming we're not talking like taxes and shit like that, because I don't know how that would fit in, but um,
1: no tax in Vegas for them, right? On the income taxes.
0: Well, I mean, mean, there could be taxes about what you make in the States. Plus then you got to pay it in the UK, depending on your, I I don't know the tax. I'm just saying, let's just talk about the, the check that gets cut. I mean, obviously he's going to make a fuck ton either way. Uh, BC, I guess I, this is a little harder for me to say, would, what would be the guaranteed amount for both boxers, Fury and Joshua, if they fought at Wembley in front of a hundred K, something like that, what would be the guaranteed purse for both?
1: Oh, for Fury and Joshua, uh, this is where I don't really have an answer because the demand, you know, the, 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 key People always say, you know, why in the U.S. outside? of Look, we've we had a few fights at Jerry World. We just had Ugas Spence. You know, we've had Canelo there a few times. Pacquiao when it first opened. But you see more often than not the big fights in the States go to Vegas. Why? Because they can charge exorbitant amount for the tickets to the high rollers, right. to the casinos, to whatever. In the U.K., not only are the pay-per-views priced much more reasonably, the tickets are as well. Um this would be that type of fight where you take the vegas model and you bring it to the stadium with 100,000 people so if it's joshua versus fury i'd have to believe like not mayweather pacquiao money but not that far off luke i would really have to believe that so what's the guarantee could the guarantee be you know 60 million i don't know like i mean there's a lot of freaking money there my question i guess was if it ends up being Usyk, which means you wouldn't get as much money as joshua if you're fury and you would justify wanting to do Nganu first if that's the case how much could he actually make against Nganu? how many pay-per-view buys with four-ounce gloves in a in a crossover spectacle considering floyd versus connor did 2.4 million luke pay-per-view buys like it's a ridiculous amount how much could this one do to where you if you're a tyson fury guy and you're saying dude you're one step away from being the four-belt undisputed champion. If you ever wanted to retire unbeaten, the time would be after that. Why are you risking something here against Ngannou? So, like, I guess the hedge part of that question, Luke, is if Fury lost to Ngannou in a mixed rules four-ounce fight, how much would that damage his image and what he could make going back into the boxing ring to fight for, the, for all the heavyweight belts?
0: There's a lot on thinks. the
1: table here, Luke. Yeah, there's, there's a l- lot of
0: risk. I'll say this whatever fury versus joshua might do fury versus inganu would be i mean th- those two it's hard to say that one would be significantly bigger than the other one although it's hard to say as well i don't really know but i'll say this comfortably whatever fury would make fighting usyk fighting inganu in let's say the, the you know the death star over there in vegas would be 2 or 3x what he would make fighting usyk 2 or 3x wow wow i, th- I think that's pretty i think that's pretty fair to say and wow. so, so and you so, have a
1: belief that this is a potential two million buy pay per view with Ngannou and Fury, because yes, yes, we don't yeah, have but... we don't have Floyd here. We don't. Connor's not coming through that door, Luke.
0: Well, you said Floyd versus Connor was what two two and something million. No, it was nearly five 2, million pay per view buys. It's four plus. Four
1: I'm sorry, plus. I, I'm dead wrong. T- dead wrong. Me right now. You're right. It was it was just short of the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, so four buy. and a half
0: versus 4.6, something crazy 4, like that. right. You're right. I think um, Tyson Fury, uh, honestly, I think Tyson Fury versus Francis could do three. I really mean that.
1: Dude, that's three a lot of money. Buys. Okay, so I guess in the, if that's the case, then I I, I guess you can't take away from Fury generational money. Because look, he made 30-plus million against and White, but he wasn't making that, to be fair, against Wilder. I don't remember what his purse was in the other big fights, Klitschko and Wilder, but like he wasn't making that. So if he does have that one-night chance for his entire six kids to to never have to work a day, I, I guess I understand. But here's the other elephant in the room, Luke. Because Bob Arum said, I think we can make it. The I think part centers around this. Does Francis Ngannou have to walk away from the UFC to make this fight? Is there any chance that Dana White goes... We did make a shit ton of money co-promoting Mayweather McGregor, which did 4.4 million pay-per-view buys and actually exceeded Mayweather Pacquiao from the standpoint of live gate and total income. Is that enough for Dana White to completely switch gears, get in a room with the Disney executives? Because let's remember, ESPN has both UFC under contract and has Tyson Fury, although Ariel is reporting that Fury's deal with top rank as a co-promoter is now, now completed but you get what i'm saying here it's familiarity mm-hmm. could you get Dana White to say yes just to guarantee that he keeps Singano in house and hey, you can make some easy money here luke
0: well a couple of things i mean we don't really like we don't need the ufc in this equation I, I don't like why are we introducing them here because true or false
1: if francis says yes to this fight then he has to say no to the ufc because we know his deal is officially up at the end of this calendar year. He's going through knee surgery. Nobody knows if Francis come back to the octagon, but if he is, he's going to have to sign a new deal, which in theory you would think Daniel White going, no, 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 we make enough money nowadays. We don't need to do this crossover co-promotion boxing bullshit.
0: See, here's the thing. I mean, I, where, where UFC gets involved, I don't know, but the part that could be interesting is ESPN must be looking at this and going, fellas, we got to be able to do a deal here. We've got top rank, which I know you know Tyson has sort of worked through, but it has obviously a good relationship with him. This has been a fruitful partnership we've got top rank here we've got ufc here we should be able to find a way to accommodate this we've got all of the different uh apparatus and boxing and mma and all of our sports shows we could blow this thing up to the nth degree they could make this bigger than it ever could be well, let's just get a deal done here so there's yeah, part but of dana, that being but look involved.
1: if you're dana you don't want to start a trend you don't want to start a precedence to your fighters we're in a we're in a a key point in the fighter pay evolution, right? I guess, I guess
0: this will this will tell us a lot about where the UFC goes from here. Are they going to hold the line and say, "Yeah, Connor can do it," and the rest of you guys can fuck off, or are we going to bend a little bit more when the circumstances call for it? Now, again, this is a pretty rare circumstance too. Tyson Fury versus uh, uh, Dion, or excuse me uh, versus Francis Ngannou is not something that's going to happen all that often. And remember, we all I, I thought that Gon was going to win, and then we were going to not even be in this scenario, but um, I. I wonder, maybe you, yeah, because UFC might be like, we'd still rather have him than not have him. Right. But the other part is, too, the UFC might be like, yeah, you're going to go there against Tyson Fury. You're going to get fucking bludgeoned. We don't want to do business with you either. Plus, Ngannou's getting a little bit older. They might let him walk, dude. They might let him walk. You know, they might, because a lot
1: of people DM me and go, BC, like, fun fun analysis, great job yelling at the camera, but the dude's 35 with bad knees. Like, is that the guy you want to throw? Right. Stupid money. I, I do I do agree there is the wild card conversation of Disney. Disney forced Dana to stand down on the Tai Chi Palace debacle, which ended with your boy BC as the centerpiece of a four-minute media <laughs> hit job video. Yeah, yeah, brother. Uh, but you know, could they turn that turn Dana's hand? I don't know. Um quick quick reporting here from our, our uh our our great producer, Mikey Mormal, Luke. He's saying that in the Fury versus Wilder uh th- rivalry to compare paydays. Wilder made four million for the first fight against Fury while Fury made three. In the second fight, they were both guaranteed five, but according to Dan Rayfield made upwards of twenty-five apiece based on everything else, pay-per-view points, all that. And then the third fight, last fall, Fury made 30 million, Wilder made 20. So you're seeing Fury's evolution into making, you know, stupid Floyd money, right? We're getting there. Again, Luke, it's not—he's not gonna not listen to me saying, "Hey, Fury, can you wait until after you become undisputed champion to make this in Ghana money?" The timing does seem to be right now, Luke. I'm not here for it. I'm not Ariel and Brett getting all excited, but four ounce gloves and a chance at three million pay per view buys—no one's turning that down, Luke. No one, no one.
0: Uh, no, they're not. They're not. My wife is telling me someone broke into our car. This is terrible. Right now, are they there? Uh, No, I'm not sure what happened, but in any event. Uh, All right. Um, Are there
1: any Colombian relatives in your house right now who could kick some ass?
0: No, they're all gone. All right, let's move to point number five here, BC, because we do need to move the show along. Let's talk about Bellator very quickly. There's a bunch of stuff that happened. They had two shows. They just ended. I swear to God, the post slams just finished. I'm going to keep doing this dad joke because I don't know who... I mean, I just cannot believe they decided to start a five-fight card with three five-round scheduled fights on them at 10.30 East Coast time. It's like, if you're trying to put your best foot forward so people will watch your product, this was the opposite choice you should have made. But okay, that's just me thinking out loud. Let's start here, BC, Friday night. Liz Carmouche got the win over Juliana Velazquez, but I don't know about that stoppage, dude. Mike Beltran is a good referee, but here's my view. You fucked up this stoppage. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, Luke, he fucked it up big time. And I hate to see it because it was going to be a great moment for 38 year old Liz Carmouche, who had fought unsuccessfully for the Strike Force title, for two different UFC titles, to come back and find sort of this final gear of which she's aggressive. And look, she was aggressive in this first round, not Watanabe level aggressive, but she was aggressive. And then that aggression stopped and she was passive. So if she's going to win this title, you want her to do it triumphantly. You want it to be a moment. Luke, it was anything but a moment. Did she have the champion and a crucifix? And was she landing clean elbows in the closing seconds of the round? Yes. But Luke, although I'm not the person taking those elbows, it didn't look like they had the speed or power to even threaten breaking the skin. They are clean shots, but Velasquez looked fine. There were the seconds ticking off. And here's the distinction. Whenever people say, whenever there's a stoppage in the closing seconds of a fight, and people say, oh, come on, the referee should have known the circumstance. I always say I disagree. If the referee sees a fighter who can no longer continue, it goes back to the Chavez versus Meldrick Taylor debate with Richard Steele, 1990, one of the greatest boxing title matches ever. If a guy, even with one second left, if a man or woman looks like they can't continue, you stop the fight. Luke, I disagree. It did not look anywhere close like Juliana Velasquez could not continue in this fight. I think that is a situation where Beltran has to know the situation. Velasquez is counting down the seconds of the round. Yeah, she can't fire back because she's stuck in a crucifix. But Luke, she's not even visibly getting hurt. I mean, I don't get it. You you are Semper Fi, never die, as Carmouche and Beltran also are. This wasn't some backroom handshake, Marine deal, right? I mean, how, I don't, ju- I don't see how you justify this stoppage in a championship fight under any circumstance.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can justify it. I don't know what Mike Beltran saw to make that call, so we'd have, we'd have to hear from him. But of course, commissions don't ever make referees ever justify their decisions to the public, so that will remain a mystery for the rest of our lives. But when you go back and you watch it, it's simply not clear. To your point, I think you stated it quite correctly. Was she in a bad spot? She was in a bad spot. Was she being hit? She was being hit. Were the shots all that damaging? No, they were not. Hardly, I'm not gonna say they were nothing, but they were not, or this wasn't serious, but this was not dangerous. She was not being rocked. She was not getting her head bounced. She wasn't even cut open. There was not, there was, it was a little more than busy work for sure. It was, it was important work, but this is it. You can see here, and also it should be noted too. Velazquez Velasquez was beginning to turn the tide a little bit. Carmouche did come out with a strong early kind of performance and then was kind of fading as the rounds went on. She got dropped from a punch, I think, at the beginning of this round or whatever it was. I can't remember that part either. But but again, look at these. These are serious. But then he just stopped right there. This What, what are we doing? This is no, 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 no. This was way, way too early to take someone's title from them. Velasquez and her team immediately protested. She seemed quite coherent. Bad call. Scott Coker saying we probably might run this back. They should. Bad, bad well, call.
1: Here's why they really should, because the next night, Luke, of course, uh, hometown favorite Limalay McFarland McFarlane came out to the incredible uh, entrance with the traditional Hawaiian culture there. It was great to see. But she's coming back in her first fight since losing to Velasquez for the title, and Luke It was, it was, turns out it was Justine Kish shitting all over her for once, Luke, right? That was a great performance from Kish from the standpoint of just going in there and doing what she had to do. But that took away the need to slide McFarlane back in. Now you have to run this back, dude. This ain't a deep division to begin with. We know that. Now you have to run this back. And by the way, shout out to Justine Kish. Let me ask you, rate your, Luke, it's unfortunate
0: rate your own joke rate your own justine kish shit shitting on them joke would you get where would you put that out of 10 i'll give me a, i'll one? give me
1: a six and a half seven for that oh that
0: was more I like mean, a three or three it's or a two low-hanging one, fruit
1: for sure but i did slice that shit up fruit ninja style luke remember one of the early ipad S- games since
0: you was? jumped around on the rundown we'll jump to that one here point uh, to answer your question it, yes it does it does also feed into the point that you have to run and velasquez back but also bc how bad was that loss for mcfarland that was a that bad. Was a bad loss
1: it was bad. It was bad, and it wasn't that she was completely flat. I mean, Kish was stubborn and, and sort of closed down. You know things that that McFarland was trying to do. And look, Kish is world class-ish. Luke, I mean, you're just fun. You know, she, she fought the Yoshi. She fought a high level. It was a good performance for her. But you're right. This was a, a almost a showcase. This was like a homecoming, get well, and it didn't happen, Luke. And and, and you know why I was happy for Kish, Luke, because it goes back to school, like when one kid does that one embarrassing thing or has it happen to him and, and they never live it down, Luke, right? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we, there was this one guy that I went to high school with, he had one testicle removed, Luke, probably for a medical emergency, but he was Uniball the rest of his life, you know? Oh, was, we, had,
0: was, we had a guy like that, but we called him the Unibomber.
1: That's, well, that's better, that's better, but like my point is, everyone knows somebody in their life who accidentally pissed their pants or, you know what I mean, whatever, whatever the thing is, right? Like, there was this kid, Nick Klaberth was firing mini donuts across the cafeteria, our senior year, he hit this kid right in the ear, right in the damn ear, Luke! It was Donut in his ear hole! We call that kid Donut Ear for the rest of his life, Luke! I don't even know the okay. guy's name! He's fucking right, Donut BC, Ear! we gotta
0: move, we gotta move along from Donut Ear, uh, BC. Sticking with the Friday night card, very quickly, Danny Sabatello running over Jornel Lugo. He'll now face Leandro Ego in the Bellator Grand Prix. He gets his way in. He beat the shit out of Lugo. Fair or unfair, he's the new dark horse in the tournament.
1: Yes, and I have to apologize for not seeing this coming, not knowing what we had here, what Bellator has here in Danny Sabatello. Luke, just like you're talking to me, joking around, my washed ass is the American Alpha? No. Dude, I don't know how good this guy is, but he's willing to find out right the hell now. Luke, he is alpha. You know what he is? He has the spirit of every creative fighter I've ever done on UFC's video games, right? I always give the guy wild hair, and he's a, and he's just a badass trash-talking brawler. Now, he's not a brawler, but Luke, he is a submission expert with the, with the intention and attitude of a brawler. He's going After it, From the promo he cut afterwards to all the interviews I went back and watched but had missed leading up. Luke, how did you not tell me? I know you told us this would be an interesting fight, and it was, between two fighters on the come-up. How did you not say, hey, BC, are you woke to how freaking wild this guy is? Because, Luke, you know, I, I can't be him in my own profession because it'll probably lead to me getting my ass kicked, but I want to. I want to bring. That uh, he to had
0: there. been showing signs of this kind of thing with a little bit of flair for the, dr- the the dramatic, but he really ratcheted it up this time. I mean, he went to another degree, and so partly this is not, I'm not going to say entirely new, but this level of it is somewhat new, and so I wasn't expecting. I was expecting. I was expecting Lugo to give him a tougher fight, and dude, Sabatello ran over him in every way. I- I'm telling you, I think Sabatello beats Leandro Ego. I believe that. Wow. And so it, it, so I think that means he'll fight. I think he'll fight Stotts next. I believe Here's that's
1: what's right. what's crazy, Luke. Is we, is I said somebody's going to jump in here, and I know we're going to talk about the other fights in a second, but somebody's going to jump in here and become the new face of this tournament, meaning the somebody who's just going to jump through the screen. It did turn out to be Raphael Stotts, and we can get into that. But dude, Sabatello now makes this tournament even more must-see. Yes. And the fact that this has happened after your champion, Sergio Pettis, had to pull out, you know, right before the start of the tournament, this is a good development for all things Bellator because Lugo's tough as shit. Look, Waterbury, Connecticut, dirty water, baby. And he got handled by Sabatello.
0: All right, uh, moving on from that one. B- BC, I did a post-fight show against my better judgment at, at 7 a.m. in the morning. Your major takeaway from Cyborg's second win over Blenko was what? we got to move this along.
1: But Luke, do we really have to move it along?
0: We do, BC, cuz I got shit we have to do. Please, please for the love of God, don't fuck with me today. Please, I'm you begging another job you. I'm begging I don't know you about. I'm All I'm right. begging you, BC. Please don't fuck with me today. Okay.
1: Look, Arlene right. Blenko did in some ways what I hope she would have done, which is caution to the win and go for it. She did, Luke. It made a fun fight to your point when I reached out and said, "Damn, what a war." You're like Well, it's a one-sided war. It was. It was Cyborg digging in and doing what she had to do. But let's give Arlene Blanco credit at, what, 38 here, Luke? Third chance for a Bellator title. She had gotten that disputed decision the first time against Bud. Came back, got submitted against Cyborg. Dude, she did what, what, what she's capable of. Stand in. Take big shots, but give them back. I give her a lot of credit, but no, she was never in this fight scorecard-wise. It never looked like she was close to, to putting Cyborg in trouble, although she did sort of drop her on that in-between shot, and she did mark her up a little bit. Um, It, it was a fun war, Luke, and maybe this is, you know, the toughest challenge Cyborg will end up facing in, in this division under the Bellator banner, but it, uh, I'm here to tell Arlene Blanco if you decide to walk away, you did all you could respect okay look i got yeah
0: i thought i thought she did everything she could in this fight including in the last minute begging cyborg to trade with her in the middle the fact that she lasted that long she did get dropped here as you can see but the fact that she lasted that long and then tried to have that kind of exchange with her dude blanco did everything i thought she could she really did she tried she really truly tried and that's all you can ask of a fighter just give us what you have and she did wasn't enough in the end but it was definitely a commendable effort. And so that's why they call it a war. There were a couple of rounds where she was landing some overhand rights and some left hooks on, on Cyborg. But I, I think by by the time the fourth started, the fight at that point was more or less lost, and then she was eating damage. But it didn't deter her. I really respect the effort. I really do. The effort that Blenko put in here was, was she tremendous. She a, overcame
1: a wardrobe malfunction in round one that could have been disastrous, and she overcame that too. So, you know, strong performance in defeat, but Cyborg, still Cyborg, baby, Luke. I mean, you know... Every couple title defenses, we sort of reset and go, man, does Cyborg get the love she probably really, you know, deserves? I mean, maybe she never will, Luke. What a freaking legend. I mean, at this age, she's got a better motor than everybody. She's she's always stronger, always better output, more efficient than ever, can do everything. Her kicking game was fantastic. Nobody handles her on the ground, Luke. I mean, what, what an all-timer, dude. Seriously. She truly a-
0: is. Uh, yeah. If she's not the best fighter of all time, because you want to give it to Amanda Nunez, great, but this is number two very easily, and I don't even know who three would be. It's pretty far away at that point. Uh, BC. No,
1: no, Valentina. Valentina, dude.
0: Valentina. Valentina, right, still. Okay, fair point. Uh, BC, after stopping Juan Archuleta, is Ralphie Unstotz the favorite to win this tournament, or would it be Patchy Mix for beating Koji Horoguchi and taking out who we thought was the prohibitive favorite in this tournament. Who would you Dude, say is now the guy who's going to win it all?
1: It's Rafion Stotz right now. But let's give respect, first of all, to what Patchy Mix did. Or we'll, we'll, we'll play the Stotz stuff first. Dude, Stotz was everything he says he was, everything we said he was, and more. Juan Archuleta never been stopped. Stops from the beginning in this one, Luke. Landed big shots, he survived Archuleta's early takedown, and then he started putting together some power double legs, really establishing himself. The backflips after the victory, the post-fight interview was wild, but Luke... His wrestling ability mixed with the intention of his power shots. He is a problem for this bracket, for this division. If you tell me you can see the future and it's going to be Stotts versus Pettis after this tournament's all said and done for the title, then maybe we need to get on a plane and see that in person. Stotts coming the hell on because Archuleta was there in shape, ready. Nobody does that, Luke. Nobody head kicks this guy and finishes him. What the heck did you just see there? This guy's great, Luke. Yeah, he can do
0: it all. He can do it all. He wasn't. He's not the, quite the sniper that Pettis is, but he's a much better wrestler defensively and offensively. And even if he's not the full-on sort of absorbing, counter-striking fighter that Pettis is, he has enough of it to get the win here against Archuleta, where obviously Pettis had to go, I think, the full distance with him. And then on top of it, you saw he can also wrestle himself. He can also scramble himself. He, he is probably the guy to win this. Now, it takes us to patchy mix, BC, because... It was weird. If he had the back, he could just hold it from there and he would win the rounds. Kyoji Horiguchi looked like a real flyweight out there, but Bellator doesn't have a flyweight division. That's two losses in a row. He gets knocked out. He gets uh, controlled here. It's a great win for Patchy Mix, but does he have enough to beat the next level of what this competition offers in BBC? Where... (laughs) And BBC. Uh, Where does Horiguchi go from here? Because... He's in a bit of a tough spot.
1: Yeah, this was interesting, Luke. You know, it didn't it wasn't a thriller. Uh, you know, Horiguchi had moments round two where he where he stro- struck ni- he striked stroke? He struck nicely from the outside, darting in and out. Mix's ground game was a problem, as you saw here. He was in very put uh put the the former champ in very tough situations taking his back. Um I think it's a very mature statement from Patchy Mix, who had fought for the title before but lost to Archuleta had shown us flashes of brilliance. I mean, Luke, he's big for this weight class, he's long, his grappling game is awesome. I'm still surprised a couple (laughs) mornings after that he was able to control Horiguchi like he did over five rounds. Luke, is this more about Patchy Mix's growth or Horiguchi being a little underwhelming to your expectations?
0: Ooh. No, I don't think Horiguchi was underwhelming. I think Pachi Mix leveled up. I really do. I think Horiguchi, at this point, is accomplished, experienced, knew what his task was. He just didn't have an answer for a guy whose back control is this suffocating. And I'll go back to it. You can see all the times he was leaning on Horiguchi and pulling him off of his base. That size difference. Is, we, we've seen Patchy Mix. Remember we saw him at High Rollers BJJ. He's not a small bantamweight, and quite obviously Horiguchi is. So for all the skill and the ability that he showed in the grappling department, do Horaguchi has a, it, it? Didn't cost him against Darian Caldwell, but it could have, and it definitely cost him here. He is undersized for that weight class, no doubt about it. I mean, are dude, you having, like the, are you having computer size, issues?
1: The size difference was massive between them, Luke. It was freaking massive.
0: It was. So I don't know where Horaguchi is going to go from here. I mean, he's still obviously very competitive against the division's best, but yeah, this what is if, a setback.
1: Can I do a what if for you? You'll probably say no. What if Pettis gets healthier before the tournament's actually over? Could Horaguchi end up with a second title shot? No, right? He just lost. He couldn't. Luke. He
0: couldn't. Yeah, no. He would have to. He would have to beat. He has to. But but like, how many people does he have to beat to get a title shot again? Probably one at most. Two, you know, that kind of a thing. So he's never that far out of it. But I'm just pointing out, like, it's just. I mean, you know he's I mean? like, giving how- it
1: to the champ. Look, he yeah. was giving it to the
0: chick. He was until he got got, but you get the idea. All right, yeah. so that is it for our five topics. It is now time for you to ask us questions. We put up a post on Instagram every Sunday. You guys fill it up with questions. The yeah. producers pick them. It's time for DMs from Diggity Donkeys. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. BC, what is going on with your camera setup that you are fumbling over there like I've a juggler? I'm trying to pull up the... I trying to pull up the have you seen this shit and I just deleted the
1: email back. Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay.
0: All right, here we go. Uh BC from Ryan Basra. Is Tyson Fury a top 5 heavyweight all time? All time?
1: Not yet. Uh you want to uh, you wanted me to go 25 minutes on this, check out the instant reaction in which I did, but um uh ability-wise, he's getting there mythical matchup in your mind-wise because he's part of this new era of super heavyweights, which I think began with Lennox Lewis. And now we're seeing guys, uh, you know, 6'5 and above who can... They're not just stiffs. Like, they can go. Um, But, Luke, the problem is he has a lack of elite wins. Um, There's still time. He's only 33. If he beats an unbeaten Usyk or even a refurbished Joshua to become the first four-belt champion, it's going to take him to another level. If he can fight some other guys around there and add... There's no, there's nothing stopping him, but he is going, if he doesn't fight much longer, Luke, if he does one of those things where he just like, like a Habib or a Soho, like he just sort of walks away on top. You're like, oh damn, like crap, I would have wanted more. He's going to have a weird hipster argument, Luke, a weird hipster argument for top five inclusion. I think right now though, not there yet, but to act like he's not in the top 10, and by the way, there are so many top ten-ish worthy names in heavyweight championship history in boxing. You could probably fill out fifteen to twenty of them. Guys who you can make arguments for. Dude, I think he's got an argument right now in the top ten, and a lot of it is that eye test that you're seeing. You, I'm sorry, you know what I mean? Try, put Rocky Marciano in there against him. You know, like seriously, the dude's fucking six foot nine, and, he, and he's tough as balls, and he really doesn't have a hole in his game. So he's coming, Luke. He's freaking coming.
0: Uh, from the real K Carter. See, this is where I'm at too. In terms of pageantry and energy, who is the P4P, the pound for pound walkout king across all of combat sports? I think it's Fury. Dude, I don't think Joshua, I mean, the Joshua thing is big because it's a big stadium and he's got his letters on fire. But he doesn't have nearly that same kind of charisma and connection as Fury. Plus Fury had that guy who's like, and when I'm done or when the Gypsy King is done knocking out this sad, pathetic Dosser. And then the word Dosser <laughs> appears on the screen above the ring. I mean, dude, no one's doing shit like that. He's totally different. Patsy yeah. Klein coming out to her before.
1: Who had that that awesome interest in Ireland just recently with the zombie? Uh Peter Queeley. Peter Queeley. Yeah, I mean I mean that was badass. Alima Lay McFarland in Hawaii is always sort of go- you A know, good, you know, cool. One. But no, it doesn't equal the, the 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 pageantry of what the UK Foundation gives you with the Sweet Caroline into the fans going Ugh. And, dude, they're drunk as shit. I mean, look, our boy Karen Mulvaney of the Showtime Boxing Podcast loves to tell the story that at Hatton Mayweather, he was there, and it was, like, two days before the fight in Vegas, and the entire MGM Grand ran out of beer, Luke. I mean, these are some drunk motherfuckers coming over from the U.K., so I think that adds to the feel of the entrance. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I've heard that story, that they drank the casino dry of beer. I mean, that is... That's that. That's 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 commitment. That really yeah. that really is like a fuck my liver. You know I'm just going yeah. to empty this. All right. From uh, punch drunk Pete, after his knockout of Juan Challetta, where would you say Raphael Stotts ranks among the best fighters in the world not Ooh. currently signed to the UFC? So that's tough because you've got Cyborg on the one side. Stotz you'd put in there. Sergio Pettis. There's a bunch in PFL. Pit, Pitbull.
1: Kayla Pitbull. Harrison. So so how about we do this, Luke? Who's the best fighter not in the UFC right now, and not, not in terms of their history, just right now? Do you think it's still Cyborg or no?
0: Certainly, on the women's side, it's Cyborg. In all of MMA, yeah, I don't know if it's Cyborg. I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's right. Um, I mean, is it Kayla Harrison just on on like ability right now? <sighs> could be, could be. Okay,
1: so could, if could definitely Pitbull. Kayla um, and Cyborg are there, I think. You know, I mean, Horaguchi just lost, so that hurts his argument. Although his argument's still decent. Rafion Stotts—the whole point of this question. Luke, I mean, where would he be in the? I think the better question, since it's focused on Stotts, is how you know where do you think he'd rank if he was in the UFC right now in their oh, in that
0: division? Top five, but I mean, I don't know. When I say top five, I don't mean like sitting at five. I mean. Right. I think wise. he'd be I think he'd be competitive somewhere in that space could he beat Sanhagen could he beat Sterling could he beat Jan Aldo I don't know but I think he's of that level I do think he's of that level for sure
1: who's the best fighter in one Luke
0: you could maybe make a case for Demetrius even though he lost um good question see on the Muay Thai side that's a little bit easier to answer or at least they have more they had a great event on Friday too Liam Badko um had a f- fucking oh. crazy win.
1: Oh, dude, I forgot to... There was a, one championship had, like, a Corrales-Castillo round
0: where there was, like, four yeah, five it was knockdowns. Yeah, it was five knockdowns in something like 90 seconds. I got something threatened by people. Insane.
1: They were like, if you don't put this in Have You Seen This Shit on Monday and make Luke react to it, I'll never watch your show again, Luke. It's not in today's batch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry
0: I't the p- there, There's a cadre of one fans who think that, like, we're trying to, like, fuck with one by not giving them coverage. It doesn't happen that way. The problem with Friday's card is it was mostly Muay Thai with the four-ounce gloves. There's a couple of MMA fights. Um, But maybe we should make a case for I mean, we're doing Bellator shows at 2.30 in the morning. We probably could give her one championship a little bit more coverage than they get. Um, All right, from Fitman Eats. A lot of Bellator questions, I guess. Do you think Patchy Mix with improved conditioning and jab work could adopt a style more like Covington's by taking control the way he does and just peppering with strikes and dominating transitions? to have similar success. I don't think Patchy Mix and Covington have a very similar style at all, nor is there a clear and obvious bridge between them. Yeah, I mean, yes, if you added things to Patchy Mix's game, would he be better, BC? Yes, of course he would. But he's much more of a stand and accept the fight type, and then he tries for quick you know, sort of arm drag, slide by entries to get to the back, and then he wants to hold it there. Covington's a leg ride, double scramble, volume kind of striker. That's just not what Patchy Mix is at all.
1: No, and I wonder how quickly Mix can evolve his striking even within the grounds of this tournament, Luke, to keep making noise and evolving because there certainly is something there. There's something great there. How quickly can yes, he Yes, I
0: do think I do think he needs to put I do think a little bit more offensive urgency even as yeah. a counter fighter. Even as a counter fighter is 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 good, but obviously dude, like if he gets to yours if he gets an angle on you, Right? if he gets past your center line and he gets an angle on you in terms of the grappling, he's he, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble with him. Um, and the fact that you know he has all those submissions, Covington has none. They have they're very different games. But I do agree that there's a little bit more offensive urgency to create openings that could be there for Patchy rather than having to wait for him. All right, last but not least, Edward under Edwards underscore Scissor underscore Hands. Uh, would Luke trade his vape habit? For a night's sleep, motherfucker, I would trade this show for a night's sleep. Are you shitting me? I can't remember the last time I got eight hours of sleep in a night. I mean that sincerely, BC. I cannot remember the last time. So you remember I just, when I went eight? When, when you eight. and I
1: were just in Dallas at the uh, Live by Lowe's in Arlington, there yes. uh, overlooking the the Jerry World, and you know, outside of our window of our on our side of the hotel, the, I don't know, there was like a fair and a some. It was a pool. There were just pumping house music. I felt bad telling you that it, you know, it took me a few minutes, but I did nap during that, Luke. You know, I felt bad telling you that because I know there was no chance. In Dude, I, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll tell the folks this. Dude, sleeping, I, it used to be so easy for me. I remember, when I, remember, I, I remember this distinctly. There was one time that I was out with my Marine Corps unit. We were on an exercise. I had some downtime, and I slept in the five-ton um, vehicle next to the gun line. The gun lines were all the cannons fire. So it's not just small arms rifles, it's the howitzer fucking sending seven red bag 30 miles away, right, on the charge. I slept right next to it, no fucking problem. That was like 24 at the time, something like that. I mean, just could sleep anywhere with, under any condition, no problem. Dude, now when I sleep, I have to wear those nose strips that like Albert Haynesworth had to wear because he was, you know, uh, a fat slob when he fought for the, or played for the, now the commanders, then the Redskins. And I have to wear earplugs at night, and I have to take melatonin and uh, other sleep drugs to go to sleep, dude. It's a fucking battle for me. The air has to be on, the fucking uh, white noise machine has to be on. Oh, God. I have to, I have to gear, I have to gear up like Roxanne Modafferi does before an MMA fight, bro. I'm taped up, I've got knee pads on. I mean, it's a fucking shit show because my, I'm so full of anxiety, I can't sleep anymore.
1: Yeah, my wife has; uh, she's not that bad, not as bad as you. But there are many times that you know my light snoring lightish snoring can just send me to another room Luke. but you need i mean you haven't even talked about the copious amounts of delta products that you also use to help (laughs) you get to that point luke um i feel bad for you because as much as we're all like yeah luke should go on trt have a vitor belfort type run in life all you actually need is four good nights of sleep per week luke and you could be a completely different person
0: i honestly I, i mean this sincerely i wonder what would happen if i could start sleeping normally again and how much it would improve my health Because it has become a point in my life where it's the hardest thing for me to fall asleep. It's just terrible. So give me all the drugs, please. That's what I would say. All right, BC, that's done with my shit. Now it's time for yours.
1: Yeah, so what I like to do every Sunday, Luke, is I uh, I scour the globe for the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between in combat sports. And then I say, hey, Gaff Pierre, our great producer, put this shit together to find out if people have seen it. Yes, it's have you seen this shit.
0: You farted your way through that intro, too.
1: Uh, Probably. Uh, Luke, we have had this weekend an abundant of all, I don't want to say all-time great, but amazing post-fight interviews. I got four of them. We're going to play samples. I want you to tell me who was the best this weekend. I got to
0: close this fucking window. My neighbor is, Jesus Christ. Hey, let's mow our lawn at fucking 10 a.m. Actually, it's almost one. What am I saying? I'm an asshole. Never mind. Yeah, you you pretty much are an <laughs> asshole.
1: Uh, Luke, we'll start at Bellator 279. Here's Rafi on Stotts after knocking out Juan Archuleta. Hey, let you. me say something for the Hawaiian people. Let me say something. Yes, sir! <laughs> Who like party? I appreciate all the love in Hawaii. I love it. Who Thank like you, what? Je-hoo!
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I, I am here with the new interim Bantamweight champion, Raphael Superstats. Anything else you want to say? Hey,
1: y'all, I'm coming. Hey, if you want some, come get some. Uh, uh, Want us to call me the bully? you goddamn right. I'm a bully in here. I'm nasty with it. If you want some, come get some.
0: You threw this was that, my pitch to, to, to this was my pitch to women and uh, to come into my dorm room in uh, college.
1: <laughs> that's contestant number one here, Luke. The night before, here's Danny Sabatello following his submission win at 278.
0: Yeah, this was uh, epic. Talking the talk and then walking the walk. You just put on a masterful performance against an undefeated fighter. Talk to me about how you feel.
1: Yeah, I feel fucking great. It was a really good fucking performance by me. Sorry, i sorry about that. Fuck that. But Jornel Lugo's an absolute stud, and for me to do that to a guy like him, I can be any fucking body, and now Leandro Higo is next. It's a perfect fucking matchup, me and him, because you look at him, he fucking sucks, you look at me, and I'm really good. Let's go. Look, that's, that's 1980s pro wrestling. That's brilliant. He's great. That's brilliant. Uh, Let's go over to Charles Air Jordan, who, as you mentioned, he, he called for Twitter to put the star on. He asked the UFC for a job, but he also offered this to Edson Barbosa. I'd love to face Edson Barbosa, man. I'm a guy who likes striking. I want, I want to die in there. I want to live, let my life in there. And I want to face the best strikers in this division. And don't worry, Edson, I won't try to take you down. It's going to be mano a mano until you die or I die.: Yeah, it look like everyone's doubles- dying, apparently. Is that a double suicide pact he just offered Barbosa right here? That was interesting. And so finally, it's like, it's like, Luke... is, is
0: he offering Edson Barbosa a fight or the plot of Romeo and Juliet? What is happening? Yes,
1: yes, yes. Uh, are we fucking or fighting? Tyson Fury might be doing the former here. Here's his infamous chat with Francis Aguado.
0: Oh Jesus Christ!
1: Champion. he's in great shape. Look at the muscles on him. And we're gonna find out who is the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Lord <laughs> man, Francis. Yes. We apologize <laughs> for language.
0: At the moment. I'll get a couple
1: of months, then the I'll be right three, back on my feet.
0: We'll
1: he's a good-looking, he's a good-looking Javi, isn't he? Yeah. Have you got a big Tory? Huh? Have you got a big, oh, no. big, what? A big <laughs> Tory?
0: Big A big Tory. <laughs>
1: hey, this is getting off the chain, but will we see it in the octagon or will we <laughs> see it, with... it in the ring? <laughs> yeah, I think he's saying octagon big Tory. Is Whoa, that, uh... This is going to be one very special fight, like never before. We can cut it here, days. Gaff. I think that's British for Big Dong, Luke. Um, I got to give it to Danny Sabatello, Luke. He won the weekend in terms of sound.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, hey, Francis, you got a big-ass hog? Yeah. It was, um... <laughs> I mean, Tyson's sure different, does. bro. He's different.
1: All right, let's go to Honolulu for some more Bellator. Luke, do you know much about Sumiko Inaba, who calls herself the Lady Samurai? She improved to 8-1 in, in one with this first-round finish of Whitney Piles. Good Ooh. Lord.
0: Man, you know really? what really is missing from all of this is Venom and Reebok. I just, you know, would really make this so much better. <laughs> such a such a strong argument to have it, you know. Uh,
1: the Lady Samurai Ooh, can left put hook. it on. Yeah, that's that's impressive shit that's right nice. there. Look at this.
0: Oh, that was nice. Jab, yeah. cross, hook, man. The one, two, Luke, three. You, that's what it is.
1: You know I love real recognizing real on this segment. Um, I got a little emotional watching this incredible exchange following Cyborg Blenko 2. I mean those are just two warriors, Luke, okay?
0: All right. I felt bad for I felt bad for Blanco cuz that was that was a tough loss and she gave it all, bro. She really did. I mean she's crying. That's Does also that's knows? also by the way, that's not her eyebrow. Her that thing is a giant cut over her left eye. Yeah.
1: And you know those tears. Those tears are I gave every single thing I had, and it still wasn't enough. And, Luke, you know what? Not everybody can be a champion. It happens. But uh, what a a (laughs) strong performance. Speaking of love and respect, Luke, did you see these savage lightweights, Yancey Medeiros making his Bellator debut, and Emmanuel Sanchez moving up in weight? The final 10 seconds here was just a a, a tease of what they did over three rounds. And what did you think about the hug before and after every round that they had?
0: Didn't love the hug, but here's the thing. I do love Yancey. It was gr- his walkout was great. That crowd went ape shit for him, which was amazing to see. And, and, and Yancey brought it and got a win. For, so not only does he get a win in his Bellator debut, his Bellator debut takes place in Hawaii, first time there since 2009. Tough loss for Sanchez. So I don't love the hugging, but if there's one guy I'm going to forgive, it's going to be Yancey Medeiros. Sorry, my window apparently is still not motherfucking closed. Jesus Christ.
1: Nobody can hear it, Lucas. All right. All right, so you don't have to keep bringing up I Jesus's name. I mean, you know, he didn't—he didn't die on a cross for you to disparage him every week on this show. Hey, look, let's go back to UFC Fight Night. Mike Jackson of CM Punk fame—he uh, took a, a kick to the stick from old Dean Barry. Let's hear the uh, reaction from Jackson. I, and I'm not even—I'm talking about oh. stop time, time. Dean, Dean,
0: spin, right here, low blow.
1: Okay. No coaching, guys. Oh, <sighs> my to the dick. Oh. Take your time, buddy.
0: Direct connection. <laughs> oh,
1: fuck. oh, Ah. That motherfucker. Oh, this <laughs> oh,
0: shot, fucking dude. <laughs> oh,
1: Back my time. God. Uh, Luke, uh, Jackson, the videographer and part-time fighter, was heavily criticized for taking the DQ loss here. Do you blame him, Luke? Or the win, sorry, the DQ win.
0: Uh, no, I don't. And by the way, I feel bad for Dean Barry because he had told, I think, MMA fighting or somebody that he had spent his life savings to get back to the UFC, and then he gets here, and then this happens. The so old, that really The sucks, old but...
1: stick kick, that'll that'll be enough, you motherfucker. All right, let's go to the weirdest Sean Strickland tweet of the week, Luke, and there were a lot of them, but this is pretty inflammatory. Strickland has now made it his mission to go after the coaches of both Rose Namajunas and Aspen Ladd. Basically saying they are being Weinsteined, Luke. Uh, Rose actually put a a response video of sorts. People sort of connecting the dots in which she prayed for 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 the uh, people that against her in her life on this solo video. Luke, your thoughts on being this aggressive?
0: Well, that's very on brand for Sean Strickland. There's some verb tenses and some spelling that's an issue. That's definitely not how you spell Weinstein. Uh, also, Weinstein was less a Pat Berry is spelled wrong as well. Uh, yeah. Weinstein, his issue, as I understand it, was less that he was sort of considered some kind of grooming threat and more just pu- power abuse of, you know, already adult women. But, the, you know, he was just simply using the power as a way to extract sexual favors and I mean, can else he, he catch ordered. a That's receipt same here? Thing.
1: Pat, I know Pat Berry. He ain't going to take this lightly, Luke.
0: No, no. Sean Strickland is... Um, yeah, this is not the most delicate way to handle it, no. But, all you know, right. that's I, – no, no, I mean, I would like to say that in the sport, like things like this matter, but I think most folks just don't seem to care about anything in the sport. Well, speaking
1: so. of weird MMA tweets, Luke, let's go over to Bryce Mitchell. You know the thug, Nasty, lives in a motorhome on his large property, Luke, and, you know, sometimes, Luke, um, he'll piss in the sink because it's easier. So, Luke, let that sink in, all right?
0: easier than what i like is going to the the bathroom that hard
1: yeah i guess finding the toilet luke if you piss in your own sink you're pretty gross but then again luke as much as i do love bryce mitchell he did do this on camera recently i know i mentioned it to you finally we have the video i saw
0: this just eating Folgers?
1: Just eating coffee grinds straight up, Luke. I Listen, I've in-
0: I, I told you, I've told you this before. There were times when we were so tired in the field that what we would do is we'd take coffee grinds like that that came in the MRE, and we'd dip them. We'd throw them in our dip and then just put it right in your gums to help wake uh, up. Oh, yeah. Um, it does work, but it's fucking awful, and I wouldn't prefer that as a method. Um, yeah, so- yeah.
1: I mean, it will wake you up. Hey, Luke, Sergio Pettis, despite his injuries as the Bellator Bantamweight Champion, looked back on his UFC debut long ago against Will Campuzano and couldn't help but sh- shout out the phoner his opponent was packing back then. He said it would be a hard fight for me. I didn't know this is what he meant, Luke. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, Luke, sh- I mean, <laughs> shades of Mayweather McGregor Wayne. Am I right, Luke?
0: Yeah, well, he had, like, a frozen steak in his dungarees there, didn't he? Look at that thing. <laughs> All righty, then. I, li- uh, I like I like the arrow in the picture. Like, we need
1: it. That's Where's not even the, the best dick? view of it. If you look at that thing straight on, you're like, whoa, bro, you are fired up for this. Wow. Okay, hey, Luke, gross or legit? A lot of people sending me this baseball fan, or was it NBA fan? I don't know what sport is it is. Baseball, yes, Luke. Dipping the dog in the beer.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a dirtbag Yankees fan who took the ferry from Staten Island somewhere. This guy is a complete loser. And like every Yankees fan that I've ever encountered, just an abysmal human being.
1: Wow. That, you know, that's, that's tough talk from a guy who wore a black Yankees cat with the blacked out logo. Yes. Listen, on this listen, set.
0: listen, as a man who wears questionable hats, and is also a wash dad on vacation, you should understand my pain a little bit more than most. By
1: the way, no talk about how Alexander Volkanovsky rolled into Manhattan for your interview wearing basically Fred Durst's red Yankee hat, right?
0: I, did, I didn't I did even realize that at the time. More so because I was despondent about the state of things, but that's a different yeah. conversation for a different time. All
1: right, Luke, as we mentioned earlier, the UK does it differently when it comes to getting drunk. Look at this... See this uh, sniper cam at Wembley stadium over the weekend caught this beer vendor pouring (laughs) spilled beer back into the Cubs. Oh God.
0: BC. I had a friend. This is true. And this fucker would do it every weekend. And I just never understood it. We had a friend whose whole bit was we'd go to these bars in college and he would be the guy that would go and find people's empty or like you know, half empty pitchers or like a little bit left in their mugs, and he would combine everything together and then drink it. And dude, he did it regularly. Regularly. He's now an attorney, by the way, if you can believe that. So keep that in Luke,
1: mind. Luke, um you and I met at Mayweather Canelo, September two thousand and thirteen in Vegas. Uh the first night I was there, it was the first time I was ever in Vegas. So It was one of those situations where I flew at, like, you know, woke up at 3 in the morning to fly, got to Vegas, did the whole media day thing, whatever. At night, went out for drinks. I was up for 25 consecutive hours. We ran into Andy Ruiz Jr. at the bar who bought us all shots on his own birthday. And that night when I was walking back to my room at the MGM Grand, the room next to me had a giant table of of room service that they had already ordered and eaten. (laughs) And the only thing that was minorly touched was a bowl about this big of tortilla chips with a giant bowl of guac that only had like two, you know, dips taken out of it. I commandeered that whole thing brought it back to my room and and sat there with my underwear and just ate the it just sloppily ate it all. How gross is that, Luke? Decent gross that's or not? Fucking too gross. That's, that's fucking
0: gross. That's fucking gross. You don't know if they rub their balls all over those tortilla chips. Maybe that's what the whole thing was for. It's a club where they just rub their testicles on corn yeah. chips and you were just like, "Yeah, I'm going to eat all of that." Yeah, I never
1: you never know. Uh Luke, let's go to the the soccer uh stadium here. Look at this drunk Aston Villa fan take a take a rough header. Your thoughts here, Luke?
0: sounds about right <laughs>
1: yeah yeah that's that's it thank like, you, dude, you like they,
0: like like low level premier league teams are they, they i mean their fan bases are just it's just sadness porn you know yes. you just
1: uh let's go for some mascot violence here's jake paul uh sitting courtside at a houston rockets game and he's getting a little messed with here by the uh, rocket mascot luke
0: boy how about tommy fury on that fight card huh yeah Yikes. Did not. I, I oh. I've never, I never. said this on Twitter, and, it's, you know, again, no one has any comprehension of what nuance is supposed to mean. But I was like, you can't really be certain because who the fuck knows? It's just hard to say. But I don't know, dude. I might pick Jake Paul over Fury at this point. Fury is not. I agree. Tommy great. Fury, not good. Not good.
1: Luke, let's go to the Utah Jazz mascot. Now, tell me if this is staged or not, because the NBA teams like to do these staged things in the crowd. This doesn't look staged to me. So here's the mascot messing with with some fans. The fan pours the beer back over his head, and now it's on, Luke, okay? He's going back in.
0: Oh, shit. Yo, this mascot is great. Yo, this looks real, bro. Is this a mascot, or did Teen Wolf finally decide he had enough? (laughs) Yo, Teen Wolf's vertical was ridiculous, right? Damn. They're like, hey, we got this guy who's got this unbelievable biological condition of which there's no scientific explanation. You'll pass him the fucking ball. <laughs> Get
1: out of the way. Uh, Luke, loosely related. Did you see the Timberwolves NBA playoff game over the weekend in which this security guard perfectly timed this female fan about to run on the court?
0: Not a fan, a climate activist.
1: Oh, really? Another one of yeah. these chain-you-to-the-hoop people? Yeah.
0: Yeah, dude, yeah. you see what happened here in D.C. over the fucking weekend? No, I didn't. There was didn't. a climate activist who set himself on fire at the steps of the Supreme Court. He fucking died.
1: Yeah, like, Joan of Arc gone wrong. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not good, Luke. Okay.
0: It's like, dude, I'm worried about global warming, too, but <laughs> I'm trying to see the new episodes of Mandalorian.
1: We're being told the Timberwolves have had three protesters this playoff season. All right, Luke, let's uh, let's uh, fuck it. Let's go streaking here. Check out this. Uh, normally, it's the security guards taking out the the naked streakers. Look at this <laughs> guy
0: getting some revenge. Oh, that is awesome. What what, what do you game think about that this? double leg? What, what, what what sorry uh, soccer st- stadium is this? I have no
1: idea, Luke. But that's a nice twist to get them back for once, right?
0: You know what? Let them know whose double leg is really the, the legit one.
1: Well, Luke, we got another streaker in a soccer game. Check out this chick. Her ending not as happy, Luke.
0: Just oh, wearing a bra, which is... <laughs> oh!
1: <laughs>
0: wow. Wow, Luke. Yeah, yeah. she got leveled
1: yes she did all right only in vegas luke this week uh look what happened at this intersection <laughs> luke have you spent any time in a manhole before <laughs> maybe in college yeah maybe once. what
0: the fuck
1: is that bro can we zoom in here on this guy i mean what's the story of this guy luke shout yo, out to vegas issues great this Instagram. motherfucker
0: was like yo i'm gonna find these ninja turtles <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, hey Luke. Speaking of big slams, did you see this insane amateur wrestling bridge, which they turned into a uh, belly to back, Luke?
0: That's a crazy bridge. All right, let's see where this goes. I mean, that's insane flexibility. And they're just gonna bring him over the corner. Yep, boom. Yeah, Look, at talking that. about right there. Yes. Yeah, Slam, bro, that's the, wrestling. And then he just gets right on top, full mount.
1: Let the boys be boys. All right, Luke, uh, this guy unfortunately got exactly what he asked for. You ever stand up on the bridge of the Splash Zone, Luke?
0: I've taking my kid to the splash pad. Uh, bop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He got in Ganoud right there. Luke. That's great. That's
1: great. Wow.
0: It's like, wow, wow I didn't know. I, BC, I didn't know Peter North worked at the uh, water yeah. park. That's crazy. <laughs>
1: Uh, Let's go over to the barber shop. You never know what's going to happen there. New styles are breaking out all the time. A lot of people not spending one hundred dollars. Surprisingly enough, Uh, Luke, they call this the reverse beard. Your thoughts?
0: People are bored. I can't believe he's white. BC, that's so out of character. But
1: could this be the new mullet? Could this be the new mullet, Luke?
0: The mullet is also just an incredibly stupid haircut that people wear ironically, and then now not ironically, even though it's only supposed to be worn ironically. This is just, you know, there's just a lot of people with nothing to do. That's what this All is. Right.
1: Oh, let's go to the next barbershop. Uh, Luke, <laughs> I don't know
0: what you'd call this. Did he lose a bet? <laughs> he's
1: a big fan of spaceships. I don't know, Luke. You know what I mean? Is that a young Rock Hudson? I don't know, Luke. I don't know that. Let's keep it going. Maybe though. he's a big
0: hey- Conor McGregor underwear fan
1: could be hate to puke and juke luke but uh here's uh here's vomiting at high speeds we've been there right we've been there
0: <laughs> again let he who is without sin cast the first stone i have also repainted many a friend's car doing this yes yes
1: i mean luke you know have you ever no i mean you know yeah you've had to pull over driving to do it before next morning i mean next oh, morning. oh yeah yes. dude i've yes. done it
0: at stoplights before too
1: yep Yep. uh luke let's Driving go over, over this i've also puked over tables at a bar many times unfortunately luke i've done many a gross thing in my day right i'm surprised i've made it this far
0: hey oh, did boy. she do uh <laughs> the, let me ask a question here was she a part of the uh uh pre-game preview with me and chuck mindenhall because that's yeah, I what i so. did too i
1: think so doggone it luke we got one more in the puke category for you What a beautiful dog, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it happens, Luke, right? Justine knows shit happens. Uh, Keep getting dogs the size of fucking uh, elephants and see what happens. Uh, My dog has puked in my car so many times. Oh, God, it's the worst. Uh, Luke, finally, this is a late add-on. Let's play the video with the audio. We've seen Stephen A hit the bag before, Luke, hit the mitts. Here are the Allen boys. Can you oh, rate God. their technique,
0: Luke? I can't get over the river of vomit. that came out of that fucking great dame's mouth. It looks kind of like this asshole's punches. Look at this arm-punching piece of shit.
1: Yeah, I him that kid real quick. Luke, those two twins congratulated us on winning the World MMA Awards, okay? No, yeah, they
0: took money to congratulate us. That's what they did.
1: I talk about the island boy. Man, that's such a dude, played out joke. Dude, look
0: at this motherfucker squared up on this other ass wipe. Uh, Just yeah. do it. I mean, uh, yeah. They cut their hair though. I'll say that. They cut their hair. They did. They did, Luke.
1: That's all the shit I have for the week. What a great episode this was, even with you trying to hurry me out episode. the door.
0: Sorry, bro. This shit we got to do. Uh, okay. Great stuff, BC. I appreciate it. Um, Let's see. We'll have, we'll lean into all next weekend stuff starting on Wednesday. There will be some extra credit videos, so be on the lookout for that. I want to remind folks, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go fuck yourself. MorningCombat.store. MorningCombat.store. Does it say say that in the small print, Luke, under restrictions, rules apply? I've heard it may or may not. I can't confirm. You have to look yourself. Morningcombat.store for all the great merch. And, of course, for Wednesdays, fan subs, Fridays, dead wrong, go to morningcombat at gmail.com. Just to reach the show is the show email, morningcombat at gmail.com. Give us a shout there. Uh, BC, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: No, just a reminder to our fans. We love you. Thank you for making us a part of your week, you know, three days a week plus all the bonuses. If you didn't check out our reactions, you want a little bit more from what we said, check that out, youtube.com slash morningcombat. Nobody... And I mean, nobody does it like we do, okay? Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and take a look because this is the best thing going in combat sports today.
0: Woo! Woo! All right, for Brian Campbell, for Malka, CBS Sports, and Showtime, I'm Luke Thomas, back soon, and until then, may all of your gains be loyal.